is Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer, with your host, Mr. Gameplay Goodness himself, Stevie Strout. Welcome to week number three of Coco Talk. Coco Talk is now becoming, fast becoming, the hottest weekly talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer because we've done this now three weeks in a row. Uh, God knows why. I guess we just like to hear ourselves speak. Uh, I am joined by a panel of a bevy of beauties, if you will. So from uh, left to right, I've got... Uh, Mark Overholzer, we've got the, uh, the immortal John Linville, we've got the prolific John Strong, we've got the very Neo from the Matrix looking David Ladd, and special guest today, all the way from San Quentin Prison, uh, Kip Kuhn. How you doing, Kip? <laughs> Fine. That is actually pronounced Manning, South Carolina. Man <laughs> <laughs> so we are... Uh, be it no surprise, there is never a plan or an agenda when we do this. It's always a last-minute, seat-of-the-pants type thing. But because we love the cocoa, we never seem to run out of things to talk about with the cocoa. Uh, I guess I will start off just by uh, talking about kind of the highlights of my weekend. So if you missed the interview with Chris Latham, I I really enjoyed that. I thought I thought it was really great speaking to Chris, uh, who created. Uh, Donkey King and the Sailor Man and uh, the Dancing Devil. So I thought that was a great interview. I'm, I'm being modest, but um, I, I'm also very critical of what I do. And, and I will say most of my stuff I'm embarrassed to watch later, but this was one of the few ones that I'm not. So um, I thought it was a good interview. Uh, I thought we, he had a lot of cool stories, a very interesting guy. And uh, I look forward to many, many more interviews with, with Coco um people in the future so i enjoyed that did anybody else get a chance to catch that i know you were there for a while uh, mr linville and i think dave was there i haven't seen yeah, it yet but i want to look at it for uh, for dinner and uh, you know the data didn't, uh, <laughs> didn't cooperate with us too well on that one. Oh yeah you guys um, yeah, lost your ipad so, you, lost, uh, you lost connection i think is what uh, boise was saying when you were heading out to dinner yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, yeah, it seemed like a pretty good interview, and uh, uh, you know, the first part of it uh, always good to have. Uh, yeah, your audio is kind of coming and going well, there, John. I think, I think we lost John's audio for just a second there. Yeah, I think the, the cool thing about uh, what I enjoyed about that interview, too, is, is the... Uh, are you, John, are you still talking? Can you can you hear us? Right, we have some technical difficulty with John. Can okay, yeah, we lost you for a second. You were starting to break up us, break up on us. And, um... You're, you're kind of... You're kinda, coming and going there there's some kind of argument 
Okay. Well, hopefully John will cut back in. I was going to say the thing that I liked about having uh, Curtis Boyle and um, Nick Morentis there is that they both actually had interviewed him separately at different times. So I think, you know, Nick had written a book called uh, Coco Nuts, I think it was called, and he interviewed a lot of uh, developers and, and Chris Latham was one of them. And uh, Curtis Boyle had also interviewed him via email years ago to, you know, for information to put on the um, Color Computer Games List website. So it was nice having those guys there. Uh, I thought that was a great interview. Uh, and and in, I think, if anything, kind of the silver lining is um, possibly getting um, Chris Latham back into developing for the Coco. Kind of like, uh, well, again, I don't want to reveal anything. I don't make anything public until it's ready to be made public. But let's just put it this way. So, yeah, it would be nice to see if Chris will get the bug and maybe work on some programs. Uh, speaking of working on programs, how are you doing up there, Mr. John Strong? Oh, all right. We're uh, a little behind on things, but that's the way it goes. <laughs> and some of the things we are good decisions made. And uh, uh, one was to wait and see what uh, John Linville was doing with his sound on the chips since we were both interested in the same chips and didn't want to duplicate efforts. And so. Uh, the other was is part we talked about in our interview with Alan joined me, and uh, they were planning to have music and stuff with games, and he's supposed to compose some music for me. And so we have all those things in the work, but that kind of slowed things down. Uh, we got to get the, those things running. And so they're like, okay, do I go ahead and release the game with what I have, or do I wait to to uh, add the hardware music to it. Um, the decision was was to wait. Okay, okay. And uh, we're, we're talking about right now, this is still the Dr. Coco, the Dr. Mario clone? Uh, yes, that was the one that was close enough that could have been released. Okay. And, and it just I just really wanted to not to do another one without the hardware sound. Right, 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 right. And so, yeah. are we... go ahead. Sorry. No, you're fine. Uh, so that's kind of just being delayed while Alan's getting used to the hardware. Uh, I've got uh, some hardware here I need to play with to get used to it and wire it up and uh, compare notes with uh, John Linville at the at the fest and see exactly what he's doing. Because he's, yeah, I, he's going in the direction that I was planning on heading. Okay, and so as as if we can keep it compatible, that's going to make it easy for both of us and other people possibly. Okay. To use the hardware chip because then we can share information between each other. You and just touched on something I was going to ask you. That's. That makes a lot of sense to share the information. Um, don't have much to share with uh, with John Linville yet, um, but you know I've let him know if he needed anything from me. I was available, mm -hmm. and uh, I have my first version of my MIDI to the sound chip uh, converter, and. Uh, the next version that'll be better will do more uh, different tones at once, 
is waiting on to get some sample MIDI code from Alan. And, uh, and I also looking at the other soundboards that are available. And one is the, the built-in virtual sound chip in the uh, Cyclone Coco, as I call it, since it hasn't been officially named. That's Rogers Taylor. Uh, okay. System. And then Zipster has a board, which I've got a case just about finished for it. Um, you know, it's not a prototype case. Nice. Okay, that, that has the, uh, the Yamaha uh, chip, which is very similar to the AY, which is being used in the Cyclone. And so I've been reading up on it to how to program it. And one of the things that I'm looking to do possibly with these is the right overlay for basic. So, so instead of basic generating the sound, the chip hardware can do it. Very and, cool. And uh, that might be expended more a little bit, um, more than what the uh, basic can currently do. Because basics in some of the other machines, such as the MSX, the Centaur uh, Spectrum and stuff, did have expended play commands. So that you could actually have, I believe on the, the Spectrum, you could have three uh, notes going at once. You can also have select noise and things like that. And so... How far I'll get along with that, I don't know, but I'm going to do at least a basic overlay, so play will do it. That's cool. Because it depends what, you know, how excited I have to get to it after I get the basic to it. Because yeah, my, yeah, main, yeah. my primary focus on cocoa development is, is games. Okay. And so I... You know, sometimes see some cool stuff and do some things else. Um, you know, it remains to be seen. But, but, uh, and, and I don't know if it's public information or not. There is a another soundboard that is in the works, and uh, Alan does have a prototype, and I believe I am supposed to be getting one. Okay. And that actually has two of the sound chips. So that makes it quite interesting. Very interesting. Uh, so, go ahead. Sorry. I keep stepping on you. So, <laughs> oh, that's, that's okay. So we're going from, you know, fame and to feast on our sound chips. Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, and I was just going to bring everybody up to speed, too. In case they missed um, the interview, we had a, a much lengthier interview with you and Alan Strong. So everything you're just talking about right now is basically uh, add-on sound hardware that you're kind of working on and prototyping and, and the plan is to build it into cartridges so your new games will feature hardware sound that is better than the Coco's natural sound ability which, which is a great feature. Um, one of the things you just touched on again which we also kind of mentioned in that interview too is it's starting to sound like and as, like you just said there's becoming now a plethora of sound solutions for the Coco 
And I can see that this can start to possibly create a challenge with a, a fragmented market where, you know, which product do we use and how do we develop for it? And so standardization would be great. And you also touched on what I think the Coco crew mentioned in their last tech discussion is when is um, when is it become stealing when you when you sell a project that somebody else has already done and what's the right way to go about it and it sounds like the fact that you and John Linville are already discussing this because you are using the same sound chip there's there's there there's a million positive reasons why you guys should collaborate on this because you can both develop products that would be compatible with one another and and the product you develop will hopefully be compatible for other developers to plug it into like a multi-pack and, and use that sound chip for other games that maybe aren't on a ROM cartridge. So there's a million reasons why collaboration is a great thing and I'm glad to hear that you are doing that. And, and the Coco sorely needs a sound solution, you know, sound as in music and sound. Well, and there's, you know, there's going to be at least two add-on cards that will use a different chip than John and I are looking to put in our games. And there's some reasons for that and I, I i can explain that real quick just give me one moment i'll open zipster's card his case for his solution and if anybody doesn't know the name Zipster, by him just mentioning Zipster, Zipster is the uh, code name for Ed Snyder, who is one of the chief architects of most of our current Cocoa hardware solutions. <laughs> okay. Yeah. If you can see this, uh, if you can see the, this is the sound chip, okay? Okay. That uh, Zipster, um, one of his friendly competitors, is building into sound cards for the Coco. Okay. But the one that we're planning to use on the... That whole chip, the, that, that chip that looks like it's the size of the CPU, that's the sound chip? That's the sound chip. Okay, that's a big one. Yes. Now, that is an issue for game cartridges. Ah, yes, to, to embed it into a ROM pack, you have limited real estate with the other ROMs. Okay. Now... It will apply some port. We, we showed this in the other uh, interview. Okay. But if you can see through the mess of wires on the, the breadboard here, the 16-pin chip here is the sound chip that John and myself was playing with. Gotcha. Okay. Now, it does require some support chips, but still, as far as size... If the 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 forty pin one on the other requires support, also, so we can make a smaller, less expensive, just due to the size of it, and we can keep the size reasonable using all retro era chips. Okay, so it's actually something that could have been produced in the day. Uh, even though we're doing it now. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of the nice thing about this chip. Okay. Uh, both of the chips have some advantages. The 40-pin chip, it has two ports on it. The reason why they can do things like the Atari joystick ports. Okay. And to me, if I'm thinking like, okay, we can do that without that, but <laughs> each to their own. 
okay? It allows an unconverted, you know, Genesis or Atari joystick to plug in. And there's some uh, stuff built into the board to help you address that. And to my understanding, the competing, chip, competing board has uh, some similar stuff in the same line. Now, so, will, the, will those work in line and replace the Coco DIN inputs and they're, re, they're read like a normal Coco controller? Or do they have to be read separately by specialized software? They have to be read separately. Okay. Okay. And because they are going through this, in this case, the PS sound generator chip. And you're, you're communicating through it through a port that's built on that. Okay. Uh, Yamaha uh, 2149F in this case. Okay, which is a compatible to the the AY three eighty nine ten. Okay, which is a very popular chip, and uh, both the chips are similar. This is a little bit more powerful. Okay, than the one we're planning to put on the games, but I don't think it's significant in the games. And so. Uh, I know that John, I've seen that he's dropped off here. I had to step out just a moment. Uh, is planning to talk about what he's doing at the fest. And I'm going to talk about some of the other solutions, some other things in my talk at the fest. And preparing, I'm actually putting together bomb squad cartridges. <laughs> great, great, great. Hey, I, I have a question for you about Bomb Squad, and and so last year, you know, you so there was basically a, a, a few new products at Coco Fest, Bomb Squad being one of the big ones, and then obviously like Farfall, and I think John Linville had four ROM cartridges, and then we also had um, Lee Patterson with Bouncy Ball. So we're 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 I, I'm I'm starting to think now, you know. Maybe you can, and without divulging, you know, financial situations. But like, how well did did Bomb Squad do at the fest and in general with sales? Like, do you know how many units you sold, and was it um, was did, did it meet your expectations and satisfaction? Yes, and I see. Um, say hi to Hugo. And Hugo, Curtis. bonjour, bonjour, Hugo. And, and uh, hello, hi, everyone. Bonjour. Yeah, I'm impressed. Are you hearing me? Yeah, we're we're hearing you, Hugo. Oh, cool. Uh, okay. You can continue. Thank you. Well, why, why thank you? We appreciate that. And I'm <laughs> impressed by what I've seen him doing. And so, well, the other thing that we're talk, talking about is I actually have, you know, one of the cases and stuff that Lindell sells. The injection molded case. Yeah. Um, this is actually the easier solution, okay, for people. Mm -hmm. Okay, it's much easier. It'd be easier for me. You just put them in here, but I can't do the unique things with this that I can do with doing my own. Mm -hmm. And so I actually made sure I had the case and the, their sample proto board and stuff. So I would make all my stuff on the uh, sound chip boards and stuff uh, compatible on the project. So yes, we're 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 in some communication, and and I think John has some information he's going to talk about uh, at the fest so that um, I'll let him do those announcements sure so. sure but um, as far as like the the number of units you sold yeah okay. um, was, was it was it a good sold, number for you I made a batch of 20 okay okay for the fest I didn't quite sell 20 at the fest 
but uh, shortly thereafter, I had the 20 sold. Okay. And and that was your target, and you were happy with, with that and everything else as far as That was your... my target for the fest. Uh, uh-huh. I'm, my target is to have 15 at the fest this year. Okay. For availability. And uh, uh, that's simply because I think I'm running out of boards I had in stock. and <laughs> It's been a little tight right now, and it's, it'll change a little bit later in the year. But... Uh, if you know how insurance is, all your deductibles and everything comes at the first of the year. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. So I, I, one of the things I do like about what you have done and what um, John Linville has done is putting something on a cartridge. And, and there are pros and cons to putting it on the cartridge. Obviously, the, the production is more challenging. The cost is more challenging to you. The cost to the consumer is higher, but it's tangible. It is completely retro. Um, it's kind of cool. And then we have like what Nick has been doing, which is basically selling it on a, you know, basically a disc image that he puts on a CD-ROM. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, different ways to distribute this to maybe get, you know, more sales? Are, are you open to uh, kind of multiple solutions like physical and virtual and things like that, or do you would you just well, the, prefer the to keep bomb, it all cartridge based? The bomb squad is so far I've kept that all cartridge based. Okay, and it was just basically I didn't want to fragment this and and everything. I have done stuff on disc. I have actually cases and stuff. I'm going to be uh, packaging. Uh, some of my older games in a little bit nicer packaging this time than what I've had in the past. And so I'm open to doing both ways. It's going to be per project basis. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so there's going to, there's reasons to do this you know, and not. Uh, the cool thing about the multiple uh, chips uh, is the Cyclone Coco, the Zister's PSGG, the the other board is those three all use a compatible chip. Okay. And it's a so, broader market for software. So it's a broader market. I mean, you're going to have to do some minor things, you know, like you may have to select which one they are because addressing or something like that's going to change a little bit. And uh, still, it's going to make it easier to support the maximum amount possible. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay goodness. To get your very own gameplay goodness DVDs featuring color computer games played by the original gamer Stevie Stroh, visit 8bit256.com and grab yourself a Coco Gaming DVD today. That's 8bit256.com for all of your gameplay goodness needs. Hi, my name is Brennan Donahue, and you're watching the original gamer Stevie Stroh. We now return you to Coco Talk. 
So there's some stuff that I'm probably still going to do as that'll load as a disc game, and there'll be some stuff that I will do exclusive for cartridge. Do you feel so that it's going to do that? Do you feel that the choice of cartridge versus uh, virtual um, would influence or discourage sales, or perhaps invite, you know, um, copying and 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 you know, less compensation for yourself? Or is there any motivation, or is it just this is how I want to do it, and this is I'm doing it <laughs> because that's what I want to do? <laughs> well, there's some differences between the games when you write it from the cartridge to the disc. So you have to have different versions in general. Okay. Uh, you can do it so it's the same, but I like if I write something from this basic to exit uh, real nice and clean back and basic, no reset or anything needed. And if I can't do that, I consider it a failure if I want to, you know, coding. Because I want to put everything back in place after it's done. I run off this, somebody can, you know, just exit my, my game and start something else. No reset required. Okay. And I consider that common currency to the, the purchaser that should do that, if all possible. You know, it, you know, I'm not saying anybody's done anything wrong. They haven't done that. But right, and that's your preference. But my preference is to do that, and I could see maybe something floated, you know, a lot bigger than the, the games I've done. And you might be using every resource. And, and to put everything back to where they can use it might might be not real convenient to do. Make sure you have everything. So, but you know, first choice if possible. Leave that way you found it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's again. I think anybody who's developing for a thirty-year-old system has some old-school sensibilities about, like you say, common courtesy <laughs> and everything else, and uh, things that the younger generation is not quite so hip to. <laughs> and, John, do, like, do you have a reason that you've picked doing certain games on cartridge versus doing certain games on disc, or is it just a personal preference at game, or do you have specific reasoning for doing? Well, like, Gems 2 is disc-based and Bomb Squad was cartridge-based. Was there a specific reason for that? Well, part of the reason was people weren't buying the disc-based stuff. They were okay. just looked over, and it's like, the, the year I released that, okay, Neil of the Coco Coop broadcast was the only one who bought one. Wow. That's a fast. And uh, so and I, I think that was kind of our low spot, you know, on the things, because I was seriously considering, you know, not developing anymore. <laughs> I mean, I could develop for other things. I can code to other devices i got ipads i've got androids i've got mm -hmm. you know mac mini you know i can develop for something else uh if people's not interested in what i do do i prefer to do it for the coke well, yeah i've done this you know it's like i'm developing something for friends you know yeah. and most of the people who buy i know or if i don't know when they buy i end up knowing them okay and uh so, uh, I was encouraged to do it on a cartridge. Uh, I did do a cartridge for the 4K contest. And, uh, and so I went ahead and I did a bomb squad in the cartridge. And I think it was kind of really nice because I could do some unique things, you know. 
like your two-color case and stuff like you made it a unique yeah. collectible yeah. right and so that made it really kind of unique to be able to do that and it's it was a, a very retro experience because even though this was the Coke 3 game uh, I can remember Steve York talking about you know a vast majority of Coca owners across the board never had a disk drive system. So a lot of them were, you know, this is how they experienced the cocoa with a cartridge. And so to them, that's what brings back the memories. And if you did have, usually it was something for most of us, you know, some of them were blessed and didn't have to wait. But, you know, I started out developing software for cassette system. And finally got a hard, mm-hmm. you know, drive. And so, um, it is a really kind of a big, you know, thing to remember. Hey, this is a game cartridge. You know, plug it in. And so, because I think that's an seems- interesting point. Because I mean, I I did at least from my my perspective, and I haven't been to Fest in over a decade before this last one. And I noticed that the cartridges seemed to be outselling discs. Like, there was offerings on discs like Plateau of the Past and a few others. But between John Linville's cartridges and your cartridges, I think the cartridges are outselling the discs, like you said, because of the collectability of it, I guess, or just, you know, the fact that this is kind of quirky and new for the cocoa market recently. I'm not sure what the exact reasoning was. Did, I mean, Nix would be the one exception that has sold very well not being in that format. Well, and I think the difference is with Nick is... He had a very long time period of promotion, okay? And a lot of people got on and helped promote it, okay? And that's helped Nick uh, on that. Plus, I think the market has turned around a little bit because I noticed the uptick on the older software that I had that was on disk. I sold. Now they had cartridges. Oh, you have a cartridge. Oh, you have this. Oh, what is it? And now they're noticing, okay? Whereas... And the disk system, you kind of just got passed by. At least there was that low point, you know. And I think that has changed a turnaround. And I hope that hopefully that increases. And I think it's going to have seen people like Hugo and Paul Thayer and uh, working on game stuff. The term uh, name, the gentleman from Australia who does the port from the code. He contacted me and Mark talked McDougal about... Mark or whatever his name Yeah, is. Mark, Mark yeah, McDougal, Mark, yeah. Yes. And, uh, you know, so I think there's an uptick of interest, not only in what us who's been doing it for a time, okay, but other people getting interested in doing it. And... Uh, so I, I think that's great because there's more people doing that. They see where people look at, oh, that's cool. Hey, you know, I used to do that, enjoy that. And, and so I think it's generating a lot of interest across the board. And, uh, you know, Coco Group broadcast, I can't podcast. And what Steve has done, you know, has done so much to promote the community because people are now seeing things and hearing about it. You know, on a regular basis, and uh, and we had some people who did some great promotion stuff in the past, and, and Alan Huffman's been one of, one of those. But yeah. Alan Huffman kind of got got away from it. Now he's getting back into it. Uh, you know, now he has all these blogs suddenly as he he's playing around back what he had and and doing things. 
and you know it's very interesting to see what he's doing and you know way the coco is now you know taking on you know a, a second life so to speak and you know coco's got of, its groove back yeah and it's, <laughs> instead of you know people you know talking perpetually about the coco throw four which to me i think it happened okay already with the tc9 it was the mm1 those were the successors the coco three and at the time that was really the movie that happened okay it, it did but you know uh they were a lot more expensive i never got a tc9 i wanted one there's some compatibility issues like you were basically dealing with a new system in most cases and you know yeah, and so, uh, I mean, I totally agree with you. I think I think what Steve's done and and the blogs that have been happening, and the Coco broadcast has been really helping get people back into the community. Like I've I've been on the periphery watching the Coco lists and the Facebook groups. You know, even when I kind of got inactive, but there's been so much new people coming in and asking questions that I'm actually able to answer and help. It got me back into it, and I'm actually starting to actively work on projects again too a little bit, which I haven't done in a decade and a half. So I think it is. I think you're right. It is expanding, and I think a lot of the people like Steven stuff have helped promote and and get the word out, and the groups expanding, and new people are coming in, even some new young people. Um, I, I think it's really helped. So thanks, well, Steve, and, and everybody. Yeah, well, thank and, and you. The all. other thing going on is that you know we had video recording stuff that happened, okay? Because a lot of my seminars in the Lori Coco Fest, people recorded them, okay, and. Uh, you know, but they weren't distributable back then because, I mean, right. I know Alan and others recorded them, but unless you contacted them personally, you never saw it again. <laughs> right, and uh, unless you made it to the next fest, and Alan did make a few available to the fest and things like that. But now we could distribute those, you know, greatly. Uh, even if you didn't want to do it all, you could do a DVD, you could do that. The cost and the ability to be able to do that just drastically has changed. And so the technology has made it so much easier to do these things. And you asked about, you know, piracy. Uh, you know, this is my mixed feeling about this and some of the others. Is, okay, well, let's see. It's got Orchestra 90 on board. It's got a ton of program RAM space. You stick all my cartridges in there and have the Orchestra 90 on and of course, any of this, any time in the past, could have been, you know, EEPROM burners has been around, and so you can, you can always have that piracy, and you know, it's not something as a developer I like. You know, it's going to happen, and hopefully, it's going to happen less now, because people know, hey, you know, if they don't make something on this, you know. Yeah, yeah, I. I not not that I'm a not that I'm proud of this, but yeah, I was guilty of piracy when I was a kid because you're a kid, you got to do what you got to do to get the games you want to play. That was our drug. Um, as an adult, I understand commerce and you know compensation for efforts and things like that. And as a supporter of this, I mean, uh, you know, and I I'm probably not the typical person but i don't think i'm alone you know with both you and john linville because for two reasons because i'm a collector and and also because i want to support your efforts i purchased two copies of your game because i've got one that's sealed 
and still shrunk wrapped. And then I also bought your prototype cartridge. So I've got one that's out of the box that I can play. And I did the same thing with Farfall. So I still have the sealed Farfall. And I even, when John was still, because I remember we were talking to John on Skype and during the Skype call, he's like boxing and labeling and he's doing all the production costs. I'm like, dude, I don't need the box. Just send me a cartridge because I want to review your game. So, you know, I've got uh, copies of both. And so I fully understand and do what I can to support the community, not only in promotion, but even in just, you know, contributing to the people who are developing these products. I'm probably a smaller percentage, but I hope I'm not the only, you know, Coco fan who feels that way and also does what they can to support you and John Linville and everybody else, you know. And I, and I know Neil was that way, you know, and that's when I kind of feel like first really kind of met Neil. You know, and he was, well, I want to make sure I support you guys, you know. Mm -hmm. And I've done that in the past, you know. I've, I've, I've bought, you know, I've had a fest. I've done okay, yeah, you know. And I turn around some of what I've spent, I made, I spent on other products, out by other people, you know. And uh, and you know, some of that products I never actually really used, but it was bought to support the community. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't unwrapped the uh, MCX one twenty eight uh, <laughs> printed case I bought from you last year. <laughs> I bought it, and and and, and, that, and that product's obsolete now too. <laughs> and to be honest, I think I think the videos that um, you've done, and I think that the the audio podcasts that John Linville and Neil and and Mike have been doing, I think are helping because you're putting now live people either by voice or by face and voice, but that are behind these products. It's now a person you're dealing with. It's not just some you know, guy holed up in his mom's basement or something that occasionally produces a product that you don't download, right? Like, it was very impersonal. And I think because it's much more personal now and we're seeing the people, we're seeing the efforts that they're putting in, we're getting updates from them, and it, you, we now know it literally takes you months to come up with these products that I think that is inclined more people to go, you know what, I've seen what kind of effort they put into this live for the last six months. I'm going to buy it rather than just, you know, that looks like a neat game. I think I'll copy it off my friend. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, that's helped a lot. It was like the pop turf pilot. I, as a developer, I'm not a big game player, you know, so I haven't played probably through the first level yet. Okay, but when it's available, you know, I ordered it. I ordered it with the disc, not too much. I wanted the disc because that was a way I could give him more. Okay, and I was also one who had contacted him when he was kind of away from the community there for a few months. And, you know, emailed him personally, encouraged him to continue, you know, working with the cover stuff. You know, take the break if you need to take the break, but hey. You know. Yeah, yeah. Let me, yeah. Uh, let, me, let me address some of the people who have been chatting with us here now, too. Let me just start scrolling backwards. So, um, okay, thanks. For, okay, all is well. Okay, James Ross is here. Hey, James. Uh, cartridges are cool for collecting. I say it's fine if a developer is inclined to release only on cartridge. Um, Jason Rothbergs is here. He'd say, I'd rather see releases on cartridges as well. So that's two votes for cartridges. Uh, Hugo DeFort, bonjour. I was lucky that about 50% of my Coco games uh, were bought at Radio Shack from, from other people use games. Oh, he says, okay. Uh, it was much worse on platforms uh, like the Commodore 64 where 100% of the software was pirated. Um, Hugo says, you know, game blogs are definitely a catalyst for other game developers. Um, and then uh, Fisegap is saying, off-topic question for John, is that a FlashForge Creator Pro in the background? <laughs> it is actually a clone of the FlashForge Creator Pro. Okay. 
and by micro center. And uh, the rumor is that my it was act the the clone was actually made by Flashforge for micro center, but I haven't been able to confirm that. But it okay. uses the same software and stuff. And actually, I was over at Micro Center yesterday picking up plastic to finish off some stuff for the fest. And they had that printer marked down another $200 for it. And surprisingly, they had one of the Blyche Force shedding on their cells. So that tends to verify maybe that's the case because if they were making them a clone uh, and then now they're selling it their brand, it'd make it reasonable that they wouldn't have both there in the same store. So it, it, it's a clone of it. And I actually have two. So that's, yeah, I have the updated version of that too. It's not in this room. And, uh, and Fiscap is saying, no wonder your cases come out so nice. Great printer. Yeah. Okay. Fiscap or Fiscap. Uh, you told us your name before. I forgot. Uh, tell us your name again, Mr. Mr. Fiscap. <laughs> My memory's not that good as I age. Um, well, so let me let me go ahead and segue over just for a minute, and because because I do want to talk about uh, a very shameful plug as well for something at Coco Fest, and it's not even me that I want to plug. Paul Fiscarelli. Hey, Paul, that's Fiscap. So I do want to talk about uh, Nick's Popstar Pilot for a minute, which you did talk about. This was the original package, and I think another reason why you say it did well was yet yeah he had a long time to promote it, which is very true. It was a long time in the coming, but I also think what Nick did is probably in in some ways similar to putting it on a cartridge because it is physical it is tangible and so it is still you know something collectible in a sense you know um where if you just said you know send me a paypal and i'll email you a link to a disk image file or a binary file and it's a complete um virtual transaction which by the way is how all modern gaming is done but in the retro world this is not a bad compromise to still have the virtual copy on a tangible collectible thing so that might also contribute to the success of Popstar Pilot as well and I think he said he did somewhere around 70 units Curtis was that was that the rough numbers he said in that ballpark yeah somewhere around 60 to 70 somewhere yeah 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 so uh, I, I'm pretty sure nobody goes to Coco Fest to get rich <laughs> well, the cost hasn't worked of, for me yet yeah the cost of airfare and hotel you would have to sell a whole lot of whatever just to break even uh what, what were you holding up there john <laughs> oh i'm just saying i've got you know cases for for those yeah yeah well and 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 so uh this is the new version this is the version and by the way this insert has changed to a color insert so but this is the version i'm going to have available so i will be having popstar pilot available at coco fest for nick morentes we just made that official announcement uh, it was announced on the Coco Crew podcast that just you know aired uh, this week. Um, I just released a video announcing this, but basically a very similar package, but a slight variation to the package will be available. So I'll have some physical copies of Popstar Pilot as well, just so Nick Nick Morentis can be represented this year. The game wasn't finished last year, so I thought it was going to be nice for Nick to have a presence at Coco Fest. And so uh, part of my reason in asking those questions too is I'm just wondering how many people are going to be interested in getting a copy of Nick's game since it's already sold as many as it has. I'm just trying to get a feel too for how many should we have produced and, and mailed there. Um, 
But you know, the great news is about doing the DVD solution is that this can all be done online. You know, you can upload your artwork, you can upload a copy of the CD or DVD, and they'll produce it all for you and ship you, ship it one at a time on demand and you don't have to do anything but send them the electronic files and they'll produce it for you. Um, it's not the same as a cartridge. There is no replacement for that, but I think it's a, uh, I think it's a suitable uh, compromise to a cartridge in, in, for certain situations. Uh, yes, I agree. It, it is. And, and uh, the fact that we have cartridges is not going to make you know, the disc games go away. Uh, I don't expect it to. And uh, because it does take that extra level of work to do the cartridge. Yes. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, so this is actually the prototype of the Coco Flash case. And, is, that, is that Jim Brain's retro innovation card there? Yeah, that's Jim Brain's okay. card uh, with the Flash and stuff. Um, it's not a promise, but I'm actually thinking of doing a case, at least a few, for the Coco Fest in uh, two, two colors. Okay. On plastic. Uh, depends on the amount of time and how. Jim like, says, "Yay, me!" <laughs> yeah, he, he, he gave me he gave me permission to to go ahead and do that. Yeah. And uh, so it's it's close and. Uh, this is just off by minor things, and I've corrected this in my files, and it's got the print. Right. But, uh, these things, is, I, you know, got it for two reasons. I had somebody requesting that I do a case for, and the fact uh, I'm planning to do bank switching in a game real soon here, and this allows me to do it in a flight system rather than have to program and so uh, it just gives me a development tool as well as something I can design cases for. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what Jim has been talking, and there's some other stuff going. I don't know how much is public, so I will not talk about it, but he, mm -hmm. he looks like he has some very cool things in the work coming. And uh, so Jim, as well as Ed, is one of those who is, is contributing a lot to that. And, you know, not to leave out Mark Marlad no, and, and everybody else who's doing things, okay? And uh, so, you know, they do a fantastic job. You know, I play a little bit of hardware, but these guys make me look <laughs> like the right beginner. <laughs> and uh, so, but that's okay. And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of uh, more cool things. People are getting excited. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is the big thing, you know. Interest has dropped down, you know. Just a couple years ago, it was like an all-time, you know, low for attendance on the Cocoa Fest, and then, then boom, it started to turn around. And now look what we have, you know. And it, you know, even though it's not the attendance I'd like to see at it, and mm -hmm. this year maybe with the other uh, TRC people joining us. You know, but we have a lot more people active involved in the group now than we've, we've had I'm, in a long time. I'm going to go ahead and pull up the Glenside website, and let's see what the current um, attendance is looking like here. 
So if we go to attending right now, ah, the list is getting pretty big. So we have Rick Adams, we have Bill Assel, uh, uh, Richard Bear, Neil Blanchard. Is Neil Blanchard a party of three? So that would make six, seven, eight, nine, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. It, 15, I should 16, warn you, it's 17, still a bit 18, behind because I submitted 20, mine literally a few days ago and it's not there yet. So nine. They're, they're a bit 30, behind on the 31, list. 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, 38, 39, 40, 41, 42. So there's roughly 42, 43 people here on the list right now that are, that uh, I'm assuming are confirmed as attending. And as Curtis says, this is behind. Now, I think, I think last year they said there was about 80 people there, and that was a good year. Um, and so we're already looking about half that number is already... Um, uh, kind of booked, so to speak, and we're still, you know, three weeks away. We're, t we're 20 days away. Um, I don't know if Alan Huffman's on that list. He has booked he's booked his, his hotel. hotel. He's not on the list, but he, ironically, though, he is listed under the events <laughs> somewhere <laughs> down here. So um, Sunday's events we have uh, somewhere in here at the Sunday auction. Yeah, but he's in here. He's in here somewhere. I saw him. Optimizing Basic, I think. Yeah, Optimizing Basic was one of the presentations. So he's under the events. He's, he's definitely should be under um, under vendors, right? So I think that's kind of where right. I saw him. So under vendors, again, we have um, Carl. He has been invited to share space with me on, on one of the one of my talks too. Yeah, Boise, Brendan Donahue, Bruce Moore. That's bringing it up now. Frank Patel. So Frank is exhibiting. He's he's part of the list, right? So yeah, we have Mark Marlette. Um, uh, Hawksoft, J Systems, that's Ben Anding, Jim O'Keefe, so now we're already up to about 50 people, John and uh, Melanie Mark Mobley, uh, John Linville, okay, so that might be Neil Blanchard Party of Three um, that John Linville is part of. Um, yeah, so we're looking at, there's Jim, uh, so yeah, we're definitely looking at, there's John Strong, here's Alan Huffman here, right, and Wally, so yeah, we're looking at easily 50 people that we know already of, and, and and uh, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people in the Chicago area that will probably be there. You know, um, and I, I, you know, I pay for a ticket for my wife, whether she decides to come over. She does sometimes, mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully she will this year. And so that's another one. So yeah, I think it looks good. Uh, the other thing that's that's great about these talks I'm going to talk to is it really helps us as the developers. Okay. Because you get to doing all this long time, and you get to thinking, man, you know, yeah, this is a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, why do I want to work on this? But, you know, people are excited about your project as well as you, and it helps keep you going and, and do some of these projects. And, uh, you know, we have the, the Dr. Coco, which, you know, is really very, very close to being finished. If I wasn't doing the hardware sound, I could have had it finished for the, the fest this year. Uh, so where do we a, where do we stand with with Dr. Coco then? Will Dr. Coco make an appearance, or are you going to hold off until you have the the full product that you want? Uh, it's not going to be for sale. I know that. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, I I haven't decided any further than that. Okay. Um, I don't know if I, yeah, just haven't given it too much thought and trying to get everything else ready. Sure. And, uh, you know, doing some of the sound, researching, 
And there's a lot of research to be done because uh, these sound chips can do a lot. And I thought there'd be a lot more out on the web on some of the cool stuff that you could do in sound sex and so on. And I'm not finding much of that. Um, I, I think it's I think it's interesting that you know you're literally still pioneering things for this 30 plus year old system. You're still researching new things to do with this old machine, uh, you know, on a very tangible physical level here. Trying to figure out now how to make the 35 year old sound chip work on the 35 year old computer and all that pioneering well, yeah, effort still taking place. We had some of that going on. Give me some background on some of this stuff. Yes. Like my game supports Orchestra 90 part. Well, the reason for that was, was very simple. About the time that I was getting into games, the Orchestra 90 price dropped down drastically. They originally came out with 90 to $100 range. Curtis mm -hmm. might net more than a little bit better at the actual price range. When they came down, well, we could buy them about $15 a piece. And I never seen the sound speech cartridge get that low. Okay? The Orchestra 90 did, are lower, okay? Because I know we bought some somewhere, a bunch of them. We were selling the fast for what, 10 or $15. That means we were making a profit at 10 <laughs> or $15 on, on our yeah. 90 part for us to be able to sell it at the fast along with our, our games. And uh, when I say me, I know Curtis and, and met Charles, or Charlie, my brother, and yep. most of the, yeah. And Charles and myself were the main part of Strongware. And I had some other people in the local groups who, who uh, just loved it. They came and joined and volunteered for nothing to help me out. They just loved to be associated being with it. You know, one of those was Don Adams, uh, who was a great big help. Uh, but so we, we did have a group <laughs> okay, of people who worked together. And, but... So now you take, you know, a much more expensive card, could do a bit more, but was noted to be finicky on being programming, okay, compared to a interface that I could sell them for 15 and make a profit on, because I had it, what do you support? And the other, it's, you know, Orchestra 90 was the easy choice. Plus, it gave you a feature, and nothing else did. You got stereo sound. And you can pull the cool trick of doing it without actually programming it to go into the Cocoa and come out the Cocoa speakers. You can make it automatic. They didn't have to select where they had Orchestra 90 or not. It just wrote out to those values, whether it existed or not. And if you had it, you had your stereo sound. If you didn't, you had no, you know, no setup was required by the users for, to, to get the stereos out. Sure. And so that made it a really nice choice. You know, cost was there. You know, availability was there. Easy use for the end person. Plus stereo. So it, it made it was a good choice for the time. No doubt. And and even now, uh, I would imagine if you wanted to continue to have that in your cartridge, even with your synthesizer, the, the cost of the two chips probably would not increase that much either, right? Uh, the real estate starts to take a little bit more. Okay. Uh, the interesting thing 
and I've got to play with it yet. But, you know, the Cyclone Club, which is the, the FPGA from Roger Taylor, uh, it supports both. Okay. It supports the synthesize the sound synthesizer and the Orchestra ninety. Yes. Okay. And uh, now I haven't tested it, but looking at the sample code, you might even be able to mix the two at the same time. And that would be neat because you have that eight bit DAC where you could actually get halfway decent samples, so you could have PCM running in unison with synthesis and that now we're starting to get into 16-bit quality uh multimedia <laughs> yeah so i've just started programming the sound chip a little bit on the, the cyclone and seeing how it works a little bit and, and stuff so i'm still new to that so it's part of the learning process and we'll get it down and you know and there's stuff we're going to be able to share but i did notice that one on the cyclone that uh, one tone channel did go to one ear, and the other two, oh, zero went to one ear, one went to the, another ear, and I think two was mixed between both, okay, on some tests. So uh, he did an interesting choice, the way he did map those into a system, makes it neat. So uh, there's a lot of possibilities going on here. Uh, I feel like I'm monopolizing your your talk. I mean, no, you you are the you are the talk right now, so that's fine because I had nothing to talk about. <laughs> you are providing great content for us right <laughs> Otherwise, now. Otherwise, we just had to make stuff up. <laughs> yeah. It would be okay, me and Curtis. We will return after these messages. Hey guys, Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. Featuring hand-drawn custom designs and pixel art by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. We've got the brand new official Coco Talk t-shirt, I'm a Coconut t-shirt, and all kinds of other cool video game and arcade related artwork. Check out 8bit256.com for all your retro swag needs today. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. You know, May I ask to... a question? Yeah, who Not said that? Kip. Kip. Um, you, uh, earlier you mentioned that you were going to go to a bank switching scheme, a mini MMU type thing. What? How big are you planning on taking the cartridges eventually, or do you have any idea? as far as um, program content. Well, I'm not sure. And welcome to Rick. Uh, the, you know, the 28 pin chips, which seems to be the first one to be done. I don't think it would gonna be that hard to go to, you know, a larger size. It just depends on whether I have a game that needs that much capacity. Okay. Right. And I am looking at one game that I may be doing that might require, you know, significantly more capacity. I know the Handy Andy, which is my Fix-It Felix uh, style game, is going to need more than 16K, um, the way I'm writing, especially with the sound. And so that will use bank switching, but, you know, uh, 32 might be enough for you, but uh, 
you know, it depends on a lot of things what you what you get to do and and just you know how much sprites you have. Whether you do a compiled sprite or you do uh, a standard type sprite with the cocoa, compiled sprites takes a huge amount of more space up, but they're kind of cool in, in the way that they work um, and fast. <laughs> You know, basically the fastest you can get with the cocoa. And uh, so it, there's a lot of things that's open yet. But uh, the design, you know, 64 and 128, basically we're using the design that was in the, you know, published, but they used years ago on the bank switching cartridges. And so... So that's that's kind of there. You know how far we can go, and, and it depends on how much we need. Yeah. Um, one more question I was curious about. I remember when I was a kid and playing all the arcade games. It had a built-in high score. Are y'all going to have RAM in the games to have an ongoing high score? It'd be kind of. I thought it'd be kind of nostalgic. Well. Actually, that's on my goal list eventually. Okay. Yeah, so we, we do have disc games that do that already, but yeah, we don't have any cartridge games that do well, that. Well, not RAM, games. but but double prom. Some type of Yeah, or flash of some sort. I've done some research, okay, and I haven't found the chip that I want to do yet with it. And uh, the things that are being done and being prepared, needed to be done first before this is at, is being done. And, you know, it might be a case, at least in my case, and I don't know about uh, John Linville's, I've actually bought some prototype stuff to, to work with, so I can maybe do some simple, complex, radiologic device work to, to map some things in, if need be. And uh, so and I'm crazy enough to think if I can you know, teach myself six to eight or nine assembly language years ago, I can probably do this stuff. <laughs> uh, Jim Brain has been chiming in here saying that, you know, you've got 256 banks of 16K, you've got four megabytes of storage, and if you need uh, if you need to store things, just dedicate a bank for high scores and into a bank of the flash. So, uh, well, yes, if, that's you a say, if you're doing something on Jim's brain card, okay, our uh, stuff, our zipsters with the flash memory. Yes, you could definitely do something like that. Okay, I think you know. I would think it's as directed to me as being on a dedicated game cartridge, whether than you know a flash card. So there's a lot, a lot of options to do. You know? Is the and production I, I, cost higher to use flash versus uh, like an EEPROM? Uh, for me, it would be, you know, Jim and Zepster would be the ones that actually have that stuff because, you know, they know what they're doing once they get in that realm. Me, I can use cheap parts and stuff to do this, and, and I'm sure that they could cost-optimize it and do it a lot cheaper than I could. Mm -hmm. You know, they've got that skill level, you know, definitely above me, you know. And, uh... So, you know, it's a lot of options that's here, and it's great that we have those. 
Yeah, Jim's saying that 512K carts are dirt cheap. I don't know what dirt cheap means, but that's fine. I'm sure that, it, it would be nice if he actually joined the call <laughs> and, 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 and contributed this information verbally, uh, uh, yeah. Jim. <laughs> um, yeah, hello, Rick uh, Adams. Thanks for joining us, Rick. Hello. Yeah, Rick, can, can you hear me? See the uh, multicolored game cartridge? Uh, no. Can you hear me? Yeah, yes, we can we hear can. you fine, Rick. Oh, okay. No, I haven't seen it. Now, he's holding. He's answer. holding it up now. If you want to click on uh, the camera oh. with the with the make, click on the uh, live chat camera and oh. make it uh, full screen. Yep. Oh, okay. Wow. I see it. Okay. And it then, is a nice two color design. And then, yep. if you don't want to be crazy like me and want to go with standard solution, then uh -huh. these are available. It looks just like downtown. <laughs> you might so, be able to finally get your bomb squad out on the cartridge there, Rick. Like your original plan. Uh, bomb, no. bomb threat. No. Or bomb bomb threat. threat. Yeah, but we have uh, dueling. Yeah, too many bomb bomb, bomb games here today. <laughs> yeah, luckily that you know the NSA and uh, CIA and everybody they don't listen in on anything, so we don't have to worry about throwing out the B word. <laughs> Jeez, I shouldn't have said this now because I have to cross the border I'm in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm sure there's somebody going, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> well, for every bomb threat, there's a bomb squad to deal with it. So, <laughs> Well, if you want to save yourself, you can say it's a virtual bomb squad. Yes, virtual bomb squad. I'd probably squad. still get strips right. as soon as I cross the border. At least you're the good guy. Oh, that's really great. Yeah, that's really great, but, you know, I'm sure they'll be uh, quite accommodating when they let me out in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Our mistake. <laughs> well, if, you don't, if, if I don't make it to the fest and I get held up at customs at the border, it's probably this call that did it because I mentioned Bob several times. Yes. <laughs> right. That will not be a word I'll be, I'll be uttering. Well, take your computer with you so you can still interact with us. <laughs> I'll probably be locked in a Faraday cage. But, you know, I, I think there's you know more options available for the people today than what there's ever been on, on doing things with a color computer. To be able to do it yourself. Um, you know, I'm actually considering, you know, this isn't a sample of it, but I actually do my own uh, printed mugs. So nice. If, if I have time, I'll be doing Bomb Squad mug. I have the mouse pad and the poster from last year still. I, I have yeah. those treasured relics. Yeah. Well, it's exciting to know there's so much stuff going on in the color computer community. And, um, you know... I'm really hoping that these, you know, things like the Coco Crew podcast and now these little weekly calls that we're doing now. I hope this gets more people interested in the Coco, gets more people out to Coco Fest, uh, gets more people interested in generating hardware and software projects. And then for people like me who are just consumers, gets us interested in, you know, uh, investing in these projects. I'm definitely on board for supporting everything you know that's happening we, we were talking earlier and rick just joined us um 
uh, you know, about making things on a cartridge versus making them on a virtual disc image and stuff? And are we concerned about piracy or, you know, just the software being copied and, and not having the, you know, as much royalties benefit the original authors? I, I'm hoping that we've learned from history. I'm hoping that we've learned now. I mean, I, I have so much catholic guilt of all the free software i got as a teenager that um i go out of my way to spend as much money as i can now and i know nothing i spend on ebay's helping anybody but at coco fest i'm trying to buy everything i'm trying to do everything i can to support everybody i hope i'm not alone in realizing that if we continue to do what we did back then nobody's going to make anything for this computer the fact that there is homebrew and new brew and there are projects happening hopefully we've all we're all adults now too hopefully we realize that come on throw a couple bucks at this community so it can exist am i hopefully i'm not alone and hopefully everybody agrees with me there right well yeah, I, and, the only yeah. thing, I just like to call it cocoa blue <laughs> and I, I think that's we're having these types of talks and like like i said before of having live blogs and actually having faces that you match to the who the author is I think personalizes the point where I think people will spend the money more. I know it worked on me this last one. I bought more stuff than I normally would buy. <laughs> one of the things that came up in the uh, Donkey King interview with Chris Latham the other day was um, somebody asked a question. Uh, what do you think about if you know a company like Tom Mix or something would let people just mail in a $5 or $10 payment as kind of a you know guilt fee to help ease their conscience and even now somebody even put a comment on that video saying listen if chris was to open up a paypal i would send him five or ten bucks right now just to cover my guilt from back then i'll pay i'd rather pay chris now since there's no tom mix what do you guys think about opening up like your own little website with a paypal link if somebody wants to contribute to temple of rom or to you know jeweled and all these other games that you've made in the past uh, john strong and, and rick adams uh, i know nobody's got their hand out nobody's doing this to get rich nobody's doing this for money but are you guys open if somebody wanted to voluntarily make a a, a, gr a gratuity towards you would you I, I think it's a dumb question a rhetorical question to say would you accept free money uh <laughs> <laughs> no i refuse <laughs> absolutely not yeah right <laughs> uh, well, that's, I, that's the way that the things are going these days. They have these pat Patreons, Kickstarter, Kickstarter and yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but that's for upcoming projects. That's not usually to pay for stuff in the past that you pirated. So it's a little bit different again. Right. Right. And uh, I thought, you know, do I want to have that sort of thing for like uh, for bomb threat? You know, because here I am. I'm trying to do this game. It, well, it's really weird, un unusual circumstances on this. So, you know, what I want to do that, I, you know, I'm not really a money guy. I mean, you know, I like money. I like money a lot, but, you know, I'm not really doing this for the money. Is it the women? <laughs> it's the groupies, yes. Silly boy, it's for the fun. You know, I, you know it's, it's nice to get some money. Because it helps pay for the expenses, you know. Sure, sure. And when it pays for some of those expenses, my wife says, great. I like to go to Chicago and be in a hotel for four days right. and be away from the house. And this is a, especially a little bit different for, for me because I actually I work out of the home all the time. Okay, I work for a consulting company. And so 
we'll, we'll get out on the weekend, just go someplace we really don't need to go, just to get away out of the house for a while. And uh, because we've been there all week, you know, you haven't had a chance to go out and get to work. If you hadn't had to go get groceries, you've been there all week. You look at the same wall. You know? <laughs> it's cabin fever time. Yeah. You're going stir crazy. I think it's a I think it's a great idea if you guys um, had just a page. You know, I know Rick Adams has a website, but if Rick, like Rick, if you start your blog now for any any future projects, and again, I know you're not asking for a handout, but if you wanted to just create a generic PayPal link, or if anybody wanted to make a donation to support past and and current projects, feel free to send donation of your choice. It costs you no money to put a PayPal link on a page. And um, if people are generous, then they might just extend that generosity to you. Right. Well, I, I, I run a, uh, uh, one of my other bizarre hobbies is I run a, uh, an internet radio station that plays Japanese pop 24 seven. And I had a lot of people in that that said, um, hey, we want to donate money to you. And I'm like, I'm not in it for the money. And they said, no, we want to donate money. And I said, no, that's, you know, I'm doing this for the fun. And they said, but just shut up and give us a link where we can give you money. Like, sure. Okay, I will. Right. And so, they, so there is one. And, you know, somebody sends me 20 bucks every once in a great while. You know, for a while they were like, you know, yeah, we want to send money. It's like a couple hundred bucks made right away. You know, it all faded away, and you know, so that's all good. So, but but my radio station is uh, a lot of radio stations have notices all over them saying, "Please donate money that we may continue providing this service to you." You know, well, out of my way not to beg. You know, but it's like uh, I have a page that says, you know, donations. You click on that and it gets you like a picture of a, a bunny with a pancakes on its head. And it says, if you want to give me money, that'd be great. I like the money. <laughs> sure. Uh, if you don't want to give me money, I'm fine. So, you know, don't feel like you have to. Right, so, right, right. It's sort of, you know, extremely low key. Mm-hmm. But I, you know, like I said, I still get 20 bucks a week. So well. well, I do want to make a mention of. Uh, somebody who does have that going on. And that does Roger Taylor with his project with the Encycle and Coco. And so I encourage people who want to support somebody in an ongoing project to do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Now that kind of cut out. Can you tell me that again? Okay, uh, Roger Taylor, uh, who's doing the, he's one of the two people who's done the Phil Programmer Gatorade version of the Coco. And those, there's no official name for his yet, but it's been called the Cyclone Coco because it's based on that 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 chipset. And uh, he does have a donation where you can donate PayPal to him on the project. Ah, okay. Okay, and to help cover some of his costs. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Hey. I think we finally got Jim Brain on the call. <laughs> Welcome. So he can chime in on all the benefits of flash storage and the other and modern inventions of the 21st century. <laughs> Running yes. water, electricity, vaccinations. Uh, That's right. Ask away. <laughs> well, 
Well, welcome, Jim. How's the How's the MPI coming? Um, I've got a board out for manufacture, another prototype. Um, the uh, the IDA ca IDA cable signal degradation has been a real bother over the past testing period, so I'm trying to make sure it's got plenty of margin. Um, I use 8010 cables, but um, I've had a couple of glitches. I'm just not, you know, real happy. And so if I if my latest thing doesn't work, I'll probably look for a different kind of cable. The problem is all those all those signals go in all that length to get to the second board. That's that's the only real problem right now. Yeah. So. James Ross has a great idea. James Ross says we need to lobby some one percenter for a philanthropy donation. Philanthropy? Philanthropy? Listen, English is my second language, okay? so Philanthropy? Is that philanthropy? Philanthropic. Philanthropic. You said philanthropy. We were talking about making a big floppy disk game or something. A philanthropic. Speaking of, of uh, philanthropy, if I can say the word right, um, I would love to reach out to uh, Bill Gates, uh, Mr. Original Microsoft, and get some type of sanction to say, you know what, if you guys want to use Microsoft Basic and distribute it in a emulator, um, please do, and uh, and 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 make make Cocoa emulation something that we can you know do in a way where we can maybe mainstream it. That would be kind of cool. Yeah, that You'd would be You'd have to get cool. permission from Tandy, too, though, wouldn't you? Because it's a cross-license deal. Mind you, they might not be around much longer. But Microsoft yeah. and Tandy, yeah. Right, right. It would be great to have somebody sign off on that and just saying, yeah, by, by all means. You know, there's got to be a statute of limitation at some point anyways, but it would be great to have the blessings and support of a computer giant to say, yeah, you know what? Well, there used to be, okay, uh, a, a term limit on copyrights. Um, that has been changed. And a big Disney. part the Disney. Over yes. and over. Yes. And uh, that's what the author's death date plus 50 years or something stupid? 75, I thought it was. Yeah, maybe it's 75 now. Like, it's an incredibly long period of time. It's useless yeah. for a computer of anything. Yeah, exactly. That would be kind of cool. I mean, I was starting to raise the question, and I, I know I'm a pie-in-the-sky guy, but as much as it's great that you guys are making these games, and I appreciate it, but I think your market is, uh, is a somewhat, uh, it's extremely finite market, and I would love to find a way for your market to be a broader market where your time and energy could then, I, I would love to have this universal, seamless cocoa you know, thing where anybody can run Cocoa software anywhere on a smartphone, on a whatever. And yes, it can be done, but it, it's you need to be somewhat technical to know how to do it. I'd love to have some type of abstract Cocoa abstraction layer where just drop in the image and run the software on, on insert device here, and you now have a global audience. Uh, I think that would be great. Uh, I, I know it's wishful thinking on my part, but I think technologically it's definitely possible. Uh, I just wish I knew how to That'd do it. It'd be a big project. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the thing is, if, if you're talking about games, if you're talking about ROM games, it's much more feasible because, you know, I use very little calls in the ROM, okay? And those that I do use would, are not that hard to replace. Okay. And I, I, I mean, I use a 
uh, I don't know, a character in from the keyboard, you know, and, and some like I uh, did in a sample for Rick. I, I called the ROM routine to set up the, the screen and stuff. But as Rick's seen, you know, another set of codes, you can't set that up yourself. And I have done that. And so, um, you know, basically, you know, if you write your own keyboard routines and stuff and you have a Cocoa emulator, that, you know, you could actually set it up to run instead of basic. Okay. And run, run your stuff instead of there. If you had something that would let you select that. And just started at the SAT. The negative part is that, and that doesn't really run on a, a real cocoa. Okay, being done that way. If anybody could get on board to make this happen, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna reach out to Microsoft. I don't know who to reach out to, but think about it. Microsoft's making the Xbox. Microsoft owns the basic. Why don't we reach out to them and say, listen, this is a win-win. You know, there's at least 20 people who will purchase a copy of this game to run on your platform because we know you need the sales. <laughs> so let's make the Microsoft official Xbox Coco emulator and let's, let's put all these games on the Xbox marketplace and let people buy them as uh, downloadable, you know, doohickeys and play them there. <laughs> Uh, Hugo DeFort uh, says Microsoft basic source code will be in the public domain 70 years after Bill Gates reaches 95 years old, according to U.S. terms. That sounds about right. <laughs> Just in time for Cocoa Fest uh, 187. Jeez. <laughs> the last Cocoa Fest 187. Yes. Yeah. yes. <laughs> yeah, so Hugo is saying we definitely need to reach out to Bill Gates and <laughs> we can wait for the uh, copyright to evaporate at this point in the year 2120. You know, whenever I hear last, last Cocoa Fest 27, it always makes me think of Final Fantasy 15. <laughs> final like, Fantasy. Final? <laughs> that wasn't very final, was it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. The penultimate Final Fantasy 15, yeah. Yes. So, so Jim, you were so the, chiming the in before. Yeah. Um, Jim, you were chiming in on Flash. You were basically saying just use Flash. And so now that we have you on the call verbally, um, do you want to chime in some more when we're talking about um, cartridges with NVRAM and bank switching and, and other things like that? Um, anything you want to share with maybe John Strong if he wanted to produce a cartridge to use Flash instead of an EEPROM and the costs and the complexities of doing that? Well, I'd say that the cartridge is pretty easy. If, if folks want that, you know, just a, a simple cartridge with um, with Flash and um, a bank register, um, that that's a pretty you know that's a pretty simplistic cartridge. Um, looks to me like um, I'm looking here. You can pick up pretty inexpensive, like 512K or 1 meg flash ROMs. Um, uh, I'm trying to think here. Right here is Scott. So I, I know I picked up a batch of them for about 36 cents a piece. A piece. Oh, so, my God. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the stuff on eBay. And, and, it's, yeah. and it's, it's, it's um, stuff that is... Um, uh, I don't know if it's the 80s era type stuff, but it's the 90s era okay. type stuff. So it's okay. 
it's not you know it's five volt logic it's um it's it's typical flash storage and whatnot so anyway i mean i you know i picked up I think when I bought those, I bought two thousand of them, so I got plenty sitting there. <laughs> so, um, and you know, that's my goal. Is my goal is every one of the cartridges that I put together, I'm going to slap a 512k RAM or ROM on it because it's it's they're cheap. It's easy to do mm -hmm. that. Um, the bank register is simplistic if you follow the scheme that Robocop followed. So that's easy to put on there. You got about another, you know, you got probably another. Um, so. Probably got another two or three dollars for some glue logic. Um, uh, you know, you got probably a, I think the cartridge, the Coco Flash PCB was like a, a buck to to manufacture the the actual print circuit board. But you know, if somebody if somebody wanted to put a cartridge together and they said, hey, you know, I need the I need the hardware for it to be, you know, seven bucks or something like that or five dollars mm. or whatever. Right. I think that's I think that's doable as long as you don't get too carried away, right? You start putting, uh, um, you know, a bunch of stuff on it, and, and you could get yourself, you know, you get yourself kind of expensive. But you could probably put one of those um, Yamaha chips on it, and or an Orchestra 90 capability on it, and probably still be, I'd say you probably under 15, maybe 15, 18 dollars, you know, for the hardware with some with some profit built in. Um, then it's just a matter of you know how much do you want to sell your game for, and and can you afford to, you know, to bundle this hardware and the game together and 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 make enough to make it worth your while, um, to to put them you know to put them together. I wouldn't put them together by hand. I'd I'd build like a hundred of them at a time. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're dirt cheap to put together if you have it done. Where I I mean I don't solder mine up typically. The Coco Flash is probably only cartridge that I've soldered up by hand and, and even at that I, I gave up on it after the first 15 or so and I, I had 100 of them made up so they should be here in a couple weeks so they'll be here in time for, Coco, or for Cocoa Fest It's amazing how much we can outsource in production now mm -hmm. um, where, where my thought process is going as I'm hearing about all these projects that are being juggled in the air at once, you, you already have a little bit of cohesion and collaboration of John Strong and John Linville on audio hardware you're working on flash storage, everything else. There's got to be some economy of scale and a um, benefit to kind of consolidating our efforts. I, I'm envisioning the universal cartridge where you guys all get together, come up with this insert product here cartridge that becomes a very turnkey thing, and anybody can release a universal ROM that has hardware, software, storage, and everything. Um, and if we all kind of got our ducks in a row and standardized that, because I can see fragmentation and, and destandardization also starting to become these forks in the road. But if we all kind of work together on this holy grail cartridge, and all you got to do now is drop in your image, and then poof, you guys can be releasing products to market in no time. It's true, and and there's no problem with it. I think the key is having somebody come up and say, okay, I'm you know I'm gonna do this. <clears throat> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm committing to making the game. I'm committing to put it in a cartridge, and this is what I want. I want a Yamaha sound chip. I want mm -hmm. a. Um, I want this much flash or this much storage, and I, uh, you know, I, I want the registers to be here, here, and here. And then, you know, from my perspective, that's easy to do because. Um, for a lot of these, the cheapest way to make the cartridge is to use programmable logic. And so that's what I'm putting on all the cartridges now. 
Um, so that means that you can, I can burn, I can make the cartridges and assemble them somewhere else, and then at the very end you can say, I want the sound at FF70, and I want the flash at FF75 or 6 or whatever, and I say, okay, give me two seconds, and boom, you're done, you're ready to go. Um, if you do discrete logic, A, more expensive, and B, it's kind of hard-coded. So, But still, if, if folks decided on a set of capabilities that that you know that was that I could take a take a look at or Zipster could take a look at, then we'd say, sure, we can build that. I think the key though is there's probably only um, there's probably only enough market for somebody to create the design and have it assembled because when I've been doing runs for the classic computer space, a hundred um a hundred units is realistically your your lower bound for ec economies of scale. So okay. below that, if you go to 50 or you go to 25 cartridges being assembled, you end up. Um, so like I have a cartridge that I'm I'm looking to build and try to bring to Cocoa Fest, and 50 cartridges is $700 to assemble with the parts and everything, and 100 cartridges is 900. So for another 200 bucks, you get 50 more cartridges. Sure. So it's cheaper to do 100, and so unless you know, unless there's enough people who can say, hey, we can justify Zipster making 100 of them and Jim making 100 of them, then I think just somebody ought to do it. And it doesn't matter to me who it is. I can design it and put the design in, in you know, I do all my stuff as open source. So anybody can build it they want. It's just a matter of who's going to follow through and build it. And I think for a lot of the classic machines, people don't have a lot of upfront cash. So they mm -hmm. want to do things kind of onesie twosie. Well, it's yeah. the most expensive way to do things. Right. Um, it's understandable. Ed Snyder just joined the text chat. Hello, Ed. There he is. We should get no, you on on Skype. Just the chat. Yeah. We need to get Ed on Skype. Um, but I think, you know, from my perspective, you know, I have, at least now I have the capability of, you know, of buying a hundred of something and just sitting them on the shelf because I know eventually they'll sell. And that's and a so nice that's, luxury. Yeah. I just like when they did the cartridge cases, I think they made, you know, whatever it was, 500 or 1,000 cases, and then somebody just has to house those for a while until they until the, the inventory runs out, and then they'll run another batch. Right. That probably made the most sense to get that many produced because the cost per unit yeah. made sense. Yep. So... And I'm happy to, happy to build something. Just pick what you want. I'm sorry, John Strong. Oh, and Jim, is it free to talk about some of your other projects we've, you've shared with us? I don't know how public those are. Well, still working on them. I'd like to, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of, I don't want to give everything away before Cocoa Fest. Um, so I would okay. say. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay. Love's the word then, yeah. Okay. That's the reason I hadn't spoke. Okay. Okay. But, uh, okay. Yeah, it, it almost sounds like we need a Coco Consortium. Uh, is very <laughs> and, you know, uh, we're just learning to see what people will support. Okay. Mm -hmm. Very true. Because, you know, Jim says, well, you know, you know he's done it enough and he's. And uh, he's built some profit in the house to cover that because he knows what he's going to sell. And in the cocoa market, I think we lost John Strong. And uh, 
you know, and so it would take to do something like he does, it's going to take more than one person, you know, speaking up and saying, hey, we're interested in that. And that may be getting close to happening. Well, I know I know Ed and I, and I think there's a couple other people can definitely, you know, I think we can build whatever is, you know, expected or wanted by the community. It's just a matter of, like, like you said, and maybe like you've indicated, some sort of consortium that says, okay, well, here's, you know, to, to be maximum compatibility, here's what it ought to be on the on the board, right? And here's here's the capabilities that ought to... Um, be present, but well, you know, for the for the moment, we're just kind of throwing things on the wall, and we'll we'll bring stuff to Cocoa Fest, and you know, show them off, and then mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of a chicken and egg thing, right? If you if I come to the show and I say, well, I'll build whatever it is you want, then people say, we'll build something, <laughs> and I'll see if I can use it. Well, yeah. somebody's got to do it first, right? Somebody's got to build it, and then the other people will pick it up and take advantage of it. So. Right now, you know, building a couple prototype boards doesn't cost that much money, and so bring to the show, hand a few of them out, and then, you know, I guess the the other half of the equation is um, if, you know, if, if someone like Ed or I hand out a board or give a board to somebody, then there's kind of an, an, an kind of a an unwritten expectation that do something with it, make it make something useful out of it, because maybe that'll generate demand. Mm-hmm. Something new is coming. Tandy Assembly. Tandy Assembly is about Radio Shack and Tandy Computers. Tandy Assembly is about interacting. Tandy Assembly is about people. Tandy Assembly is about fun. The first gathering of its kind. Computers of the 70s, 80s, and 90s. All Radio Shack and Tandy makes and models. Join Join us. us. Don't miss Tandy Assembly. In Chillicothe, Ohio. October 7th and 8th. Whether you're near or far. Tandy Assembly is for everyone. Visit our webpage at www.tandyassembly.com. Tandy Assembly. I'm Evan Wright, author of Flooded for the Color Computer, and you're listening to original gamer Steve Stroh. Well, I just also want to just throw out there, too, I appreciate the fact that people are making things. <laughs> it's nice to have uh, things to buy and plug into your Coco. You know, the Coco SDC is definitely one of the greatest inventions of the, at least the 20th century. Um, and uh, everything else that continues to come out, um, I certainly appreciate the efforts of everybody who, who, who are working on these hardware and software projects. Um, and so hopefully I'm not alone in that, too. Uh, well, yeah. can, I get, can I get Jim to repeat the last part of his conversation? We, it totally dropped out on my end. Uh, let's see. Well, I, I said basically it's, it is, um, you know, it's kind of a chicken and egg problem because if you, um, if, if you don't have something to bring to the show or bring and show to people and yet they, um, they say, well, if you need, if you can build something, then I'll try and use it. You know, they have to kind of have it in their hand. So you can end up with, you know, people don't want to build for something that doesn't exist, and people don't want to 
um, people don't want to build the product for a software piece that doesn't exist. So in effect, you have to um, somebody has to go first, right? Somebody has to either the software has to be there or the hardware, and probably it's easier for the hardware to show up first. So I think that's where you know Ed and I and maybe Mark Marlad and other people are building these kind of ideas, and we'll throw them out there, and then hopefully people will take them and build some software around them. And when they build some software around them, then they might generate some demand. And if they generate demand, then that's probably the beginning of your standards, right? What what resonated with people? Um, okay. How, well, just you know, let you know when you. Now we're losing John again. Yep. John, we uh, need to we need to start a patron account just to fix John's broadband. What <laughs> <laughs> if he's on Wi-Fi? Yeah. Well, I, well, I was just thinking with all the hardware development that's going on in the community, we ought to call ourselves collectively the Digital Shack. The Digital Shack. Not bad, not bad. What do you guys think about that? The digital shack. <laughs> I'm still, John's still trying to come the, in. The cocoa abstraction layer. Oh, you like that? I came up with that one on the fly. <laughs> that sounds so cool. That was a good one. Let's see what we can do. Uh, now, John Strong's coming back. Hey, John. Yes. We resume John's rant already in progress. I actually. <laughs> <laughs> John, John, oh, he's gone again. Yeah, it started to come up on the Coco mailing list when they were talking about, um, you know, using drive wires, network protocols, and everything else. And so I just wanted to throw in my wish list of this the Coco abstraction layer, this universal holy grail emulator that would not only bring Coco software to the to the larger audience, but maybe even introduce multiplayer to it as well, where. You know, and the old and it, there were there were benefits to having a human being sitting on the couch next to you to playing a game. You know, the actual uh, what did they used to call that socialization. Uh, that was the 1980s concept. Um, but to have remote online gameplay on a on a Coco game would be a cool feature too. You know, I'd like to say thank you to all the people that do the hardware development because with. After the experiences I've been having for the last two weeks just trying to get into it myself, I'm realizing this isn't as easy as I thought it was going to be. That's why I don't touch hardware. <laughs> See, and on the other hand, I love it, but software is not really my forte, which is strange because I'm a software developer in my day job. So, Yeah, that is different. Well, I'm back. I got that talk completely. Hey, John Strong is back. Welcome back, John. <laughs> well, I actually checked about upgrading my my bandwidth here recently, and when I moved in, they, they told me that they were going to get uh, 50 megs here uh, real soon, and it's been a year and a half, and I called, and I, they don't have it yet. So, yeah. Are you wired or wireless right now? Uh the laptop's actually on my wireless network, but it's I'm sorry, sitting next to the router. Mm. You know, so. Yeah, because wired, even if you're near the router, actually works a lot better than wireless near a router. I mean, yeah, there's I can, interference I, and all kinds of crap that can go on with wireless. So. I can actually plug it in. I've got a network cable here someplace. Yeah. That should good. be more stable. 
So who else has got something they want to chime in about as far as anything Coco related, either a project you're working on or something you want to tease that you're going to speak about at the fest or something you're looking forward to seeing at the fest, anything like that? I'm, I'm really happy Rick's actually redoing his game. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm ecstatic about that. Well, I'm glad that you're glad. It's kind <laughs> of frustrating for me because I'm like, wow, I used to be really good at this stuff. And now it's like, uh, how do you get into P mode four? You know, how do you do this? <laughs> I, I went through the same thing when I was kind of getting back into it about a year ago myself, so I, I can sympathize. I'm excited to see. I know all the right things to be concerned about, but I don't really know how to do them yet. So I'll get there. It's like, you know, I'm probably, it's almost certain that I'm not going to get it going before the best. You know, right, that would right, be right. A miracle that happened. I mean, I mean, Rick, but, you, you know, can't sell yourself short here because I mean, you've in, you haven't touched it in how many years have it been since you touched a six eight zero nine? Like thirty eight years. I mean, no, thirty years. Yeah, so thirty years, okay. and you've already got it. So you've got an assembly language program that's actually actually making your title screen with your own font and stuff. And Steve right. wants to learn to do this stuff too. And I mean, he's he hasn't yeah. even got that part yet. So yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 definitely an inspiration to just it, it was always an inspiration to me when people did stuff in assembly language you know back when the coco was new and you know i always thought that that was something that was an adult thing that's what grown-ups did i'm a kid i'll program in basic i went to college to learn how to program and i just assumed that's when you're going to learn assembly language the adults learn assembly the kids work on basic i was very disappointed <laughs> when i went to college that they weren't teaching assembly they were teaching like d base and 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 freaking, uh, you know, worthless dead languages that were already dead back then um, that I actually dropped out of programming college because I'm like, dude, I, if I can't learn assembly and I can't learn how to make games, I'm wasting my time because this isn't fun. <laughs> so, um, Well, you know what's funny, Steve, is talking about that at a young age. Um, I remember there was something about something on the news, wasn't there, that there was actually a seven-year-old that was um, attacking the, what is it, was it the CIA or the FBI's database? A wow. seven-year-old, for God's sakes. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, age don't matter when it comes to programming. No, it's true. It's <laughs> true. I, I'm, I used to hang out at my local radio shack. I'm sure we all have the same story. And I remember one of the sales guys back then saying, hey, if you want, I will buy you this EdTasm cartridge. And I was like, no, dude, that's like, whoa, that's like sorcery. I, I just, no, that's, I'm, I'm just a dumb, I'm a dumb kid. I just, I, I won't get it. I didn't even try because I just was in my mind that there are certain things that kids do and there's other things that other people do. And it never dawned on me I could even possibly learn to screw with that language, you know? I think Barry just joined us. No. Hey, Barry. <laughs> There's Barry. Let's see. All right. So, um, no, I think it's great that, that these things still happen. And what was also what's also great, too, is that when um, somebody puts out a, uh, you know, I'm yeah. trying to follow the text chat, and you guys are speaking assembly in yeah, this text chat audio. going on right now. Okay, I'm going to hang up on Barry for a second because he's... Um, is uh, stepping on our deep discussion here. But yeah, I'm following your text <laughs> chat and um, you guys are sharing information. So there's so much collective information right now um, in this community. And it's Hello? great It's great that it, you guys are forthcoming with this information too um, and not saying, no, this is my trade secret. I'm not gonna show you how I did this. You gotta 
figure it out yourself, jackass. You know, so um, that spirit of, of cooperation is also uh, inspiring. Well, another thing is there, some of us are, are not writers. Okay? Hold on a second. Okay, and so having this baton, oh, yeah. it's so, so much easier for me to share this information because yeah. for me to write it out, I could do 100 lines of simply after I do the other way. You know, and so I, there's there's times I can write English. I do good, but I've got I've got to be in a very certain mindset to be able to do it. And it's very easy to get out of that mindset. Whereas I see people like Alan Huffman. You know, he does something and boom, he's writing about it, and that's great. Mm -hmm. It's not it's not me. I can get on here and talk about it. Okay, I sit down and write demo code like I did for Rick the other other night to try to help but you know i'm just not the one to do that yeah i've got a blog but i updated it there because to me it's it's hard for me to do it's easier for me to do the code and this together but that's just me mm-hmm. yeah red writing actual text explaining how you're doing things is a whole different skill set than actually writing code it is, and, and I can, and I've done it. It's just not, you know, which do I want to do, you know? Do I want to create Google mm-hmm. Gates, or do I want to take all the time to write it? Because now it's going to take me three times longer to explain it than to do it. Which mm-hmm. do I do? And so that's why I get on some of these and get enjoying, especially when we can talk. And, you know, as, as Rick, you know, the other night, Hey, can we talk point? Because you know, in a few minutes, you know, I could ask questions, get there while I'm trying to think, okay, how do I make this sound right? You know, don't tell stupid my type. And uh, <laughs> you know, if I tell stupid when I'm talking, okay, it's normal, I'm used to it. <laughs> but there it was written down, it's typed there for everybody to see, and you know, it's a more comfortable verbal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just me. And, uh, you know, uh, people can get afraid to get up and talk. Yeah, I'll, it'll psych me out a little bit if it's a bunch of people I don't know. If I get it going, it doesn't bother me, you know. And so, but writing something for something, <laughs> now you're punished. <laughs> right, right. And I think everybody's kind of their own worst documenter yeah. and, and, and proofreader and spell checker because you know what you meant. You know what it's supposed to mean and what it's supposed to do. And you almost need uh, like a, a, a non-biased third party to either proof it or just do it for you, so it can be read in a way that you you know <laughs> that other people will understand. I think sometimes. Yeah. So, so this this is the other the avenue that these things going on that gives us and helps open up and do because you know everybody like you said everybody's different on this okay and I've I've done some teaching in the past everybody learns differently. Okay, and you know some are verbal. Some have to hear it as well as see it. Some have to do it. Okay, so this gives us the means to share this information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's definitely an inspiration, and it's something that I'm going to try to jump into hopefully in the near future. I was hoping last year that I would have had some type of assembly project I could have um, unveiled this year at Coco Fest, but you know, as the old saying goes, life gets in the way. But um, so I'm still optimistic that for Coco Fest 27, maybe I'll have some type of assembly project I can show off then. So uh, I need, I, uh, it's it's hard not to be inspired at this point of everything that's going on, you know. And. You know, I look at some of these great things out there and these, these guys are doing it. And, and yeah, I've been doing this a lot, but, you know, I'm very impressed, you know, with what I'm seeing. And, and especially in the hardware, some of the cool stuff that's being done. But, you know, uh, the guys I mentioned earlier, Mark and Hugo and, and Thayer and, and, you know, doing some of these games and stuff. You know, it's really cool to see all of that. And I'm so excited, you know, about Rick being back in, in the community with us. You know, and you know, I don't feel like the old guy now. <laughs> totally easy. <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Who are you calling old guy here? We're all a bunch you, of young you whippersnappers. Got What are you talking about, you old whippersnappers? <laughs> Back in my day, we only had one bit, and we were lucky, and we were happy. <laughs> we were lucky that sucker was even able to turn on. <laughs> had to walk three miles in the snow barefoot up hills both ways. <laughs> Carrying a backpack full of punch cards. <laughs> nah, Rick, I, I, I read this guy who takes a ride. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I've had people in the community say, oh, well, like Stevie Crow, oh, you do that, you know, and Neil, and like, oh, you guys are great stuff, and, and to me, it's like, well, I just stuck around long enough, you know, you know, guys like Rick and Nick and Steve Bjork, they were the, you know, the rock stars back then, you know. I and, love and that Del term. Puckett, and Del Puckett, uh, and uh, Del Lear, I met Del Lear, and he was just a really great personal person talk to. I mean, you meet him once, you feel like you're your friends. Yep. Uh, so, uh, Dale Lear was my carpool buddy when I lived in California. That's where that connection. Yeah, and speaking of assemblies, and we have Ed Snyder here right now too. If you've been watching any of Ed's videos recently, where he's got the dancing girls and the music playing, um, you know, it's a personal favorite of mine. Um, James Ross was saying that Hugo's Wait, game is, is that? looking really good. It's on the Facebook group. He's been showing his little video player and, and audio. Yeah, Semi Graphics Twenty Four or yeah, yeah Semi Graphics yeah. Twenty Four audio video player running off the Coco SDC. Yeah, and we have Hugo. Hugo's been very quiet, but Hugo's working on a very cool-looking <laughs> game, too. So feel free to chime in anytime, Hugo. Well, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Um, right now, as I listen to your conversation about uh, cartridges, which is really interesting, I'm working on a better uh, sprite compiler. I really want to accelerate the game and have as many animations as possible uh, running at the same time. Really, it's a, it's a challenge, but um, I think we're getting there. Also, I'm getting some help from uh, Simon in Denmark. Uh, he's very good in assembly. Um, by the way, uh, if I don't know, what, what's the, uh, the limit, uh, the uh, amount of RAM you can put on a cartridge, like on a 
classic Coco cartridge? Is it 32K? Well, 32K is the most you can do before you do bank switching. Okay. And 32K only works on the Coco 3. <clears throat> Your limit is 16K on a Coco 2. Okay, yeah. well, that, that's okay because um, really, if I can make it, I will have my game fit within uh, 32K. Uh, I'm building it with that in mind, uh, but it will run on a on a five under uh, 12k uh, Coco tree. So yeah. lots of things will expand in memory. Yeah, uh, I would invite you to contact me on Skype sometime where we can share video. I may have stuff to help you. Uh, that would that would be really appreciated because okay. I have very very little experience. Uh, working with the hardware and circuits. All I did was a little bit of Arduino, and that's about it. Well, I'm going to, if they don't mind, I'm going to see if I can find it and bring it up here to share uh, a screen real quick with you. Okay, cool. Uh, with you all. And, uh, and I'm on a laptop doing this, so it just takes me. Yeah. Is my sound okay? Uh, oh yeah, no, loud and clear. Okay, because I do very little uh, Skype. Off of the counter, and I pulled out mine, and yours fell. Yeah, just go ahead and talk. I'm just looking for something to bring up to show you. We'll return after these announcements. Hi, this is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Strobe play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Hey guys, Original Gamer Stevie Stro here, and if you're listening to Coco Talk, chances are you're interested in the Color Computer. If you'd like to find out more about the Color Computer, then visit my Coco Links page at imacoconut.com. There you will find communities, podcasts, YouTube channels, project sites, blog sites, hardware, software, buy, sell, trade, you name it. So for all things Color Computer, visit imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A, coconut. Dot com and tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Hello, this is Drencore, and you are watching the original gamer Stevie Stroh. We now return you to Coco Talk. Okay. Just a minute. So, uh... so uh, yeah, your really? game is looking. Your game is looking good, Hugo. From what we've seen. Thank you. Uh, it's amazing the amount of stuff we can fit within uh, 32K. I think. Uh, if you start really thinking, you know, planning ahead uh, with all the constraints, you can you can do something uh, that will look amazing. Uh, people are getting really lazy today uh, with the amount of RAM we have. I mean, you can do anything and everything. But um, for example, uh, instead of using sampled sounds, I'm working with Simon to uh, have. Just a few wavetables and actually generate the sounds when the when the game is run and expand the sounds in in RAM because there's a lot of RAM in the Coco Tree. So uh, using uh, combining a few waves, we will uh, emulate sounds instead of having them recorded and, and digitized. So this is one of the other um, approaches that I'm using to uh, reduce 
um, the uh, memory footprint of the source. That's pretty cool. That is pretty cool. Yeah, you know what I'm going to do real quick? I'm going to bring up, while, while, while John Strong is getting ready to do his screen share, I'm going to do my own screen share real quick, and I'm going to bring up um, uh, uh, Ed Snyder's um, demo. And so let me see what I got going on here right now. I'm not sure exactly sure how well this is going to work. So tell me what you guys can see right now on the Skype call. Can you, can you guys see uh, me bringing up Facebook right now? Yes. Yep. Okay. So I'm going to bring up Ed's video. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to hear it, but I'm going to make this full screen. And this, this is Ed's um, video player. It's doing uh, semi-graphics video and uh, music, digital music. I hope the girl would be at the will be at the Coco Fest. Yes, I hope she's going to be there too. <laughs> well, you never know; she might. So this is a cool project. And he's mentioned uh, on the chat there that uh, he's got a new version that should be running a lot faster. I'm not sure if that's still six eight oh nine or if that's a six three oh nine version. Very psychedelic. That's pretty incredible. And this is on the Facebook group, so you guys should join the Coco Facebook group too. That doesn't bode well for your. Um, we were talking about a consortium to have just one place or one one kind of design. You can't even have one place to have everybody. I know. Hang out with right. There's the mailing list and the Facebook group and. An IRC chat so, and uh, oh yeah, which I didn't even know about the IRC chat. And there's this, so yeah, the IRC chat is one of the things that um, that I use quite a bit to chat with uh, William Asselin, uh Sometimes Brett is there. Uh, Kieran, the author of uh, um, Xroar, is usually on there too. So there's. It's interesting to get different conversations from different standpoints from all these groups. Okay, if I may, I'll do a okay. screen share. John Strong, you have the floor. Okay. Um, all right, this, the the Skype works different than the one for business, so I feel but so basically what I have here is a, uh, a tool that you uh, tile maps and such. And as you can see, I have different tiles here, different tile picker, pickers. I can choose them different ways, and I can do the edit and so on. And here, the other window, uh, show map, we can do a map of what we have with that. Okay. Um, is it an application that you built yourself? Yes. That's nice. I, your okay. tools are way better looking than my tools. Well, this, I, the thing is, this is my personal tools, so it never gets documented. Part of, we explained part of the reason before, I'm not a writer. Okay. But I'm willing to share, but you need to be able to Skype with me for a session so I can train you, show you how to use it. Okay, and I can show okay. you what things. And you know, so, um, 
sorry, you know I'm a technical writer, so I won't comment on that. <laughs> well, that's that's fine, you know, a technical writer. I'm not, <laughs> I've got a brother who's a great writer, okay? But not me. <laughs> okay? And uh, so we also have, and I've got to improve this a little bit because it's just a simple one. Uh, uh, just a question, uh, can you save uh, your tiles uh, compressed, like with uh, RLE uh, strategy or something like that? I have not really put a compression on the tiles themselves. Mm -hmm. I've, I've got a version of a simple compression for the map. Okay. But, I've... you know, if somebody has a different way they want to do that, I could probably mm -hmm. add it in. Okay, because uh, I mean we we could we could definitely work work together. I, I have uh, developed quite a few uh, algorithms that seem to work fine uh, in specific situations. Um, for example, my uh, pallet uh, converter, uh, which seems to work pretty fine. Um, so maybe it could be integrated into your tool. Also, I, can, I have a, an image compressor, and uh, I know Simon has also worked on very good uh, image compression, but, you know, mostly for sounds. Now, I'm more interested in uh, graphics, and he's more into sounds. So... Uh, can you, okay, so your tiles, uh, you can define uh, tiles with different sizes? Yes, so I can choose the size I want okay. to work from. And uh, are you generating binary or uh, ASM code? Uh, I can generate binary. I'm not, I'm doing assembly right now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey. Hey guys, real quick, I'm, I'm going to put my microphone on mute. I've got to step away for a few minutes. I'll be back, but go ahead and, and carry on. I really like the uh, the fact that you can animate and you know flip through the animation. Well, um, this is uh, there, there was a there there were uh, similar uh, tools in some of the older uh, drawing uh, software, but seems to have disappeared from more uh, recent uh, software. So this is really nice. This does run faster than what it does over Skype. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Nice. Okay. And this is actually, and I need to optimize it some. I haven't because I really haven't to the place where I needed to. And being a personal tool, it doesn't sometimes get added to a I come ideas. It's just cool enough. I, I, I think I have to add it or it's something I need. Have you programmed that in C Sharp, Java, or something else? Uh, this is actually, uh, I do kind of mostly C within a C environment. Okay. okay. I use a tool that's called C Builder. Okay. I'm, and, I'm a total, um, um, I'm really, really bad in C. I, I can, like, almost destroy your computer just by trying to write hello world uh, and <laughs> I was never good with that but um, I mean I, could, I can program in other languages that yeah. are um, I have a better understanding uh, C could be a pain okay but yeah. it's, I, it's I come hard. from the uh, turbo Pascal world so well, the conversion actually, doesn't work <laughs> well that you understand this is actually a cousin 
to Turbo Pascal because Turbo Pascal is going to to Delphi now. Yeah, yeah. Well, is okay. it is is Delphi dead or is it still alive? It's still alive. In fact, nice. it's, it's cross-platform. Uh, just announced their support for uh, Linux server. Okay, mm -hmm. and you can get their starter edition for free. I should definitely have a look. I haven't looked at uh, Delphi for so many years. I think last time was in 2002. Can you believe it? So <laughs> it, it's done a lot of changes, and they got. If you understand Delphi, you understand VCL then. Okay, mm -hmm. and so they have VCL component uh, a framework. I'm sorry, this is over you guys have this heads for possibly. For a couple of minutes, and they have the uh, the FireMonkey framework. Okay. The FireMonkey framework works for native uh, applications, and you can actually write one application that runs on Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, and now starting to support Linux. And but I use the C builder because Windows calls are in C and. Uh, you know, and stuff, and so I use this part of the time in my day job. Mm -hmm. This is something I use here, and this is my compiler. I can cause it to generate the code if I click the button, and it actually generates assembly code and so forth. It still needs some work, it's just some new conversions, and but I can do a lot of things with it. Mm -hmm. uh, with the maps, well, I need to load back the other project. Just, the, uh, just a question: Is there a space on the uh, color computer arch archive where uh, we could share the tools, maybe, with other developers, or um, is it something I, that is doesn't exist? I prefer to share it on a one-to-one on -one basis because if I can get somebody to go one-on-one, -on -one, that I can show it, then they can understand it. I've tried sharing it with some people in the past. Who don't understand what it's doing? Okay. Okay. And it really needs some one-on-one -on -one time with you, so you can understand my mindset to see how mm -hmm. it works, and see if it works for you. Okay. And that way we can, you know, make sure you can use it. Mm -hmm. But uh, are you uh, using a standard palette, or we can load or define? Our own palette from the uh, the Cocoa Tree uh, palette, the EG EGA uh, palette. You can define it. Okay, good. Okay, you can redefine it. I've got a crude uh, color mapper, so you can remap it. It's nice. Uh, how advanced is your uh, is your game project right now? Um, this one has just really started. Okay, because you have lots of work. Uh, definitely, you are building your tool and your game, I guess, uh, alternating between both. Well, I always end up doing that because as I build a different game, I end up to need, needing some more tools mm -hmm. to do it right. Okay. And so as I need to come in and say, well, I'm doing this, I'm doing not too much work and designing the game. I go say, okay, can I build it in the tool? Then I jump over the tool, we'll build it for a while. And then I go back to the game. And so... Will, will you fit that game into a cartridge? Or... Uh... 
This is intended to be a cartridge, okay? That, that has been the goal uh, on this particular one, to be a cartridge. I think and, the, uh, the the format of, of this game will, would be perfect for a cart a cartridge, definitely. Uh, I was thinking about uh, you know uh, Rampage, which was, in my opinion, not such a good game. So this could uh, <clears throat> this could uh, this game could be uh, what what I expected from a game like Rampage, like some something fun where a building gets uh, pounced and destroyed. But in that in that specific case, you 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 actually prevent it, which is even more fun. Yeah, and so we have things like this, and I can actually copy and paste these sections from the map and move those around. Uh, okay. We can we can do. I've got a. This needs to be worked on some more, but I've got a text builder tool uh, that we can do a bunch of things, and I actually have corresponding assembly language code. To use this in my program. Okay, and so you uh, you generate some kind of a uh, tile uh, map uh, that's uh, that after you know uh, assembling your tiles there, you just mm -hmm. export it and it will it will generate an array yeah. in the code. Okay. Oh, so and you can view the code that that's generated in the same window. Am I correct? Uh, this is the you're not going to see this in the window. It says the assembly. This is actually my text uh, code oh. uh, for doing special things with text. Mm -hmm. And uh, so let's get a, a color, and then that's generated as a set of macros that acts as control codes for my my text writing in the are game. Are you uh, are you using the default font in the Cocoa Tree or uh, your own font? Uh, my own fonts. Okay, I guess it anything would look better than the default. Well, actually, the uh, yeah, I have one that's called bold, and it looks pretty nice because uh, it's just wide enough; it's a lot more readable, and uh, and so on. But I have those fonts. Uh, I have a font editor that runs on Windows. I have one that runs on Cocoa. Oh wow. Okay, the, the Cocoa one is actually was sold years ago, commercially, advertised in Rainbow, etc. Oh. And so uh, I can generate these things, and if I wanted to generate the macros, I just did what's up there, I can do that. I can edit that, I cut and paste that into my assembly program, and do call my print routine, and it prints it on the screen. Nice. Okay, but these are the things, you know, that... As a technical writer, you've seen what I've done so far. You realize there's a lot to, to explain that. Uh, definitely. Uh, but I think um, since your uh, interface and your tools are pretty well um, integrated, uh, they have also a uniform, uniform and uh, coherent look. Uh, having just a section, if you want to write documentation, for example, having just a section on the general principles would really help then, uh, would make the documentation easier to understand after that. So after that, you just have like screenshots, little arrows or numbers, and you go through the options and people already know what to expect. Well, so the other I don't see this as a big deal. Well, it, the other... Now, I, 
and I probably could write documentation for this. Okay. Not that I would like to, but I probably could. <laughs> Most people don't like to do that. <laughs> okay. But the other problem is, as far as for me, this is always changing. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's like I've got some cool features that is only headed at here. Okay. That I need to finish on the way the text is working. And it's not saving in my map. Hello? And so it's going to be saving in the map files. You, you know, know what? Sorry, Stevie seems to be thinking, ah, if I could only, uh, if they could only stop talking about this and just build a game so I can play. No, no, I'm listening. <laughs> I'm, I'm listening intently. Okay, okay, who's, that, who's got the car alarm going off in the background now? So. Oh, God, you can hear that, huh? Hold on a second. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. They, they turned it off there. Right. So, uh, will, will you, do you think you'll have a prototype running in time for uh, 10D, uh, what's the name of that one? In 10D October? Assembly? Yeah, something like that. Uh, I intend to have another game running by 10, 10D Assembly. Oh, which one? Well, uh, I should have Dr. Coco running because I should be able to have time to get. Oh, yeah, that that was good looking. I mean, very, uh, very, very uh, elegant uh, design. Simple yet elegant. I really liked it. So, you know, some people want to put um, textures and all kinds of digitized stuff on screen. Uh, you stayed with you. You kept it simple, and I, I like the way you did it. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I, I would like what I've seen you post, okay? And I want to encourage that. So. And, uh, and even went so far as adding some extra tools in here. This shows me how, like, tiles are used within the game and stuff. And... Uh, How, ma how many people do you think, if at all, anybody back in the 80s had a tool set like this for the Coco? Oh Probably God. not, right? No. <laughs> Is uh, Nick Marentes still uh, developing uh, most of his stuff on uh, vintage systems? Yes. Yeah, he that's, does his graphics, some of his sound on his Amiga, and he does all the programming on the Coco itself. This is hardcore. <laughs> it's hardcore, yeah. I'll be honest, I'm doing the same thing with my project, too, so. <laughs> nice. I, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm using a lot of, uh, all my tools run on the, uh, the command line, and I feel hardcore, but when I see what these guys do, <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, for Nick and me, it's, it's the retro feel. I mean, I can use modern tools and cross-develop and all that stuff, but then it doesn't feel like retro to me. <laughs> Well, so it's just, it's just personal preference. There's, there's there's no wrong way to do it, and I'll tell you, it definitely takes a hell of a lot longer to assemble something when you're doing it natively on the Coco. This is the reason I I yeah I like kind of the retro, but this replaces a part you really didn't do on the computer in the past. You know, when I started out, you was doing all this stuff in graph paper. Yep. <laughs> okay. And. Uh, so, you know, I don't feel bad at all doing my design work here. Now, I will say my original uh, games that were published. Uh, so, so we have in Gems. They, the graphics was actually done with uh, 
uh, Color Max Deluxe or something? Yeah, Color Max. Okay. And I actually had a clipboard routine on that. I decoded his clipboard format, wrote a program in BASIC, that generated my data statements for the graphics. Wow. Okay. And so, uh, this is just, you know, part of my tools that I use. I've got stuff that goes to ROMs. I've got editors that I've wrote and uh, a disassembler. It's all in different stages. You know, you know, I get bored of one project and I go work on something else or I need this feature. So I do something to let me look at this. And then uh, I get back to writing the game. Our life interrupts and <laughs> how it goes. But, you know, you know, feel free to set up some time up for you. Go with it. Or if you're going to be at the fest, come by my booth. And now these messages. Between 1977 and 1994, Tandy and Radio Shack produced a wide array of prolific personal and business computers. Chances are you've used one. And now there's a new event designed to celebrate all of these computers in one place. Introducing Tandy Assembly. Come see your favorite computers, or maybe some that you missed, October 7th and 8th. In Ohio's first capital city, Chillicothe. See presentations by TRS-80 creator Don French. Creator of Dog Star Adventure, Lance Miklas. And Scott Adams of Adventure International. For details, visit our webpage at www.tandyassembly.com. Some assembly is required. We now return you to Call Call Talk. Uh, uh, Hugo, are you going to make it to Cocoa Fest? Mm, uh, I was hopeful to go, but... Uh, and lots of my uh, plans changed, and I can't make it, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. So yeah. maybe attend the uh, assembly. I don't know how big an event uh, it is. Is it the first time they do that? Yes, it would be the first. October? Where is it? Um, Chillicothe, Ohio? Is that where it's at? Yes, it's south of Columbus, Ohio. Okay, so, okay, well, it's same distance as going to Chicago for me. So really, uh, if I can afford to go to Chicago, I can afford to go to Columbus. Right, right. That is the only thing is that I wanted to visit uh, a specific restaurant in Chicago, and so <laughs> you have to find something interesting to eat in Columbus if you want yeah. me to come there. Just <laughs> <laughs> if I could throw out a Ferris Bueller reference, maybe we can run into Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Wasn't there a Thanksgiving parade in that movie? Yes, a little bit of Donkey Shane going on there, too. Yeah, so. that was good. That was good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah, are we still screen sharing at this point? Uh, I think, are you still screen sharing? Uh, I'm not sure how to shut that off. Is it shut off? It's still, it looks yeah, like I think you got to click on the little plus and hit stop sharing screen or something like that. Oh, I see it. The, 
Try con control alt delete. Control yeah, alt delete always does the job. Yeah, hold, hold in the power button for se for ten seconds. <laughs> yes, <it is>. <laughs> right. <laughs> Pull that snaky thing from the wall coming out of the back there. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's called a plug. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, I bought a laptop, so I pull that and it still keeps going. <laughs> or you can run PuTTY and have a single board computer and downloading a program to it and it crashes your windows and you're gone for 10 minutes. Right. This has definitely been the longest Coco talk we've had so far. We've been talking now for two hours and almost 15 minutes and uh, it never gets old to me. But yeah, I mean, no. it, it's great. We, I started this thinking. What are we going to talk about? It's <laughs> kind of like the Coco Crew podcast, which yes. is now three hours plus. Yeah, there is no yeah. shortage of things to talk about, um, for sure. And, and you know, Hugo, I, I, and I wanted to share that. I thought I could help you. I wanted yeah, to share, no, that share that. your talk. You know. Well, uh, we'll have to, well. If if you can share your uh, your uh, your uh, tools with me, uh, I will certainly uh, use uh, what you know the tools that are uh, complementary to what I've programmed. Because my goal in that is not to is not to program all my tools myself. I mean, the, the goal is the game. So if I can reuse something that someone has done without having to punch in and run away with the tool, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, just you know. Uh... You know, my email's out there. Pretty easy to get you know, to get contact me. We'll get something set up, and and I'll show you some of the things to watch out because there's a few places there's some errors yet you're going to run into. They're very easy to get around if you know what they are, mm -hmm. and that's the reason why they haven't been fixed. It takes less time for me to work around it than it is to fix sure, it. Sure, sure. That's oh, uh... it's like it's like when there's a cracked uh, um, stair. On, in your staircase, you know exactly where not to put your foot. But <laughs> yeah, yes. your guests all break a leg. You know. Yeah. Yes, yes, that idea. That's the reason why it's like okay, I want one on one with the person, so I can show them some of that stuff. Yeah, it won't, it won't reformat my hard drive or or something. You know. No, no, it's <laughs> not unless you step on that certain stair. Yeah, Ed Snyder chimed in on the uh, text chat. He says, cross development for me, waiting through that code on the Coco, that's hardcore for sure. <laughs> I think it's just me and Nick that still do that. Yeah, we're getting some noise right now. Who's got the noise? Uh, I was going to say something. It's probably me. Um, is Jim Brain still on the call? And this will probably either cause everybody to run away or ask me uh, what, what the idea is. I have an idea. I believe I Jim's still, still here. Huh? I'm here. He's, I'm here. he's here, Barry. Oh, so I was recently looking at um, where somebody was trying to do drive wire over an Ethernet or Wi-Fi connection. Yeah, that's and Brett had, Gordon. Right, and I have, I have a related idea. I noticed that there is an Arduino shield for Wi-Fi. I'm wondering what the thoughts would be on if we took an Arduino and we programmed it to emulate a Hayes modem and open a TCP stream and act like a modem, except instead of dialing numbers, you would be dialing IP addresses. <clears throat> well, um, such a thing uh, is a great idea. I already had the idea, and I've already written the two components for it. So, <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you have? Well, yeah, because um, a long time ago, this is prior to, prior to Arduinos, 
Um, <clears throat> but a long time ago, um, a group of folks got to me and they said they needed a way to use their classic computers on the internet and they wanted um, uh, something that would emulate a Hayes modem. And so if you go out on the internet now, you can find a program that's been around for a long time called TCP SER, TCP SER. Um, well, I'm and I wrote, familiar with that. Yep. So, but, but that thing that thing takes a full you know computer, a laptop or a desktop or uh, I'm talking about scaling I, it down and getting all that. I, I understand. I understand. But the goal of TCP server was part of a multi-step process, right? The first one was to get the program to work under a large operating system like Linux or Windows, which is what I developed. And then I took the version of the code that I had, which is written in Portable C, and, and I worked on recompiling it to run on a, small, a smaller system like a, a like an Arduino, um, because the code is just straight C, and and I have, and I do a lot of development for for the AVR, which is the heart of uh, most Arduinos, um, AVR GCC. So I have a version of the TCP SIR code that runs on an Arduino. Um, actually, it runs on an AVR. I could probably get it to run on Arduino. Um, and then the, I guess the other piece is how do you anticipate connecting that to the, um, to the uh, to the Cocoa? I was thinking either the four-pin port or RS two thirty-two C. Nope. You know, put a stand, okay. put a standard put a standard RS two thirty-two connector on it. Um, have it externally. Put it, you know. If if you have a case for it, have the case look like an old style modem. Mm-hmm. You know, package the whole thing up. Maybe put some uh, some little lights on it for carrier detect, etc. For nostalgic sake, right? Yep. And you know, have it and have it. Basically, it would work exactly like an old modem used to work. Yep. Except that it would, you know, be connecting over over the internet. Did your device is it connecting? What type of uh, Shield is it use or what is it using for the 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 Ethernet or Wi-Fi? Is it Ethernet or Wi-Fi, and is it solid? Uh, so the so I didn't necessarily develop for the Arduino. I developed for the AVR, and the the um, the chip I developed for at the time. You got to remember, this was a number of years ago. Was Ethernet, um, not not Wi-Fi. But I have purchased. Um, uh, a Wi-Fi shield here in actually the last week I purchased it so hopefully it'll be here before um, uh, before uh, before Cocoa Fest and the unit I so the unit I bought is because it was cheap and easy to get at was an ESP8266 Wi-Fi shield um, and I have some ESP8266s here but um, but I went ahead and bought an Arduino shield because that way you know if somebody wanted to replicate what I was doing they could just they could just buy the shield um, and so when it comes in, I'll see if I can retrofit my code to work with against the Wi-Fi shield. It shouldn't be that difficult. I was reading that the ESP two eighty six though is uh, is unstable and has a bad you know bad firmware. That's what Brett says, and that's fine. Um, but you I, know, I, I was the key looking. Is, I was looking at another shield that I don't think I think it uses a different chip and there's a library to drive it. That's fair, but I think the key is is if you get it to work. Um, for like the ESP8266 and somebody says, well, I don't like that shield, I want a different shield. As long as you make the TCP IP function, kind of maybe to use your your statement, uh, uh, Steve, the abstraction, right? 
So you create an abstraction library, then you can say, I don't really care what shield you use, but I need you to, you know, I need you to open a connection, I need you to send some data, I need you to receive some data, and I need you to close a connection. Hmm. Okay, so, well. You know, the key is uh, I'm going to get it to work with an ESP8266 and then show it off. And then, of course, the code will be open source and folks can tinker around with it however they want. I think the key is, um, you know, is the 8266, you know, what I saw from Brett's perspective was that it's not very good in multiple connections. But when you're doing a simple Hayes emulated connection, you only have one connection you have to worry about in the, in the you know, totality, right? If you're going to do... Right, I was, go ahead. I was thinking about that, too. So, so I don't so, know that it'll be so, a real... I don't know that it'd be a problem if you're only doing one connection, so... Well, hopefully not. Yep. How are you going to... Uh, how are you going to handle the escape out of the... Are you going to implement the, the three-second pause, plus, 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 three-second pause on the emulation? The uh, TCP server code already does that, so I don't have to worry about that piece. I just have to implement okay. the part that does Ethernet or Wi-Fi. Sorry. Hmm. Okay. Because you know this. This also, it, presuming once you establish the connection with this thing, then you have essentially a transparent, um, you know, serial connection mm -hmm. that goes through Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we... assuming that you set up. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was gonna say assuming we used to we used to do that. We used to have we ran two copies of my program on so this has been oh this has probably been twelve years ago or so when we first came up the program, but we had a version running at my house and we ran a we ran a game that was that needed the modem, right? It it needed to talk to the modem. And then I shipped a copy of my software off to somebody in Toronto and they ran a copy of my program. And they had another they had another computer sitting on the end of their PC to do the same thing, and so we we played with the computers, thinking that it was they were connected to each other through a telephone line, but in fact they weren't. They were connected to the internet. That's pretty so cool. It is. It was really cool. We it was a big deal at the time, and and so you know that kind of ushered in at least at the time anyway the kind of telnet BBS um, kind of a, kind of mode where folks would take their classic PCs and they hook them up to their regular PC and they'd have them be able to to do um, answering or you could you know you can do it both ways you can either have it run as a modem on the client side calling out or you can run it like on a BBS server or a BBS and you can have it kind of listen listen for connections on the internet and then when it gets a connection it does you know um, connect 2400 or connect 9600 or whatever and the DTR line goes high and the and the the computer thinks, oh, the modem has got a connection. I'm going to start sending data to it. Does it will it run at 115.200 if the Coco can keep up? It will run at that, although that's you know that's dependent on the right the Arduino or the AVR. They can run at 115, no problem. It's the it's the classic computer that can be a bit challenging. Right, 115 yeah. is it's pretty fast. Well. The if we could get, if we could just modify DriveWire so it would just open a TCP port and listen on it, then if you combine that with one of these devices, now you've got your DriveWire on wireless because once you establish the connection, you've got essentially a clear serial channel. Yeah, it's so true. That I think the I think the key though is a lot of what I'm suggesting is okay. The BitBanger port's fine, but 
you really want to do reasonable speeds, you probably want to do uh, a um, RS-232 pack type type mm -hmm. cartridge, right? You plug the cartridge in. It's got that because you gotta you gotta ship some sort of Arduino or AVR board or whatever somewhere. So you might as well just put a put it all in a cartridge and then and then write the code as if you're talking to the RS-232 RS pack. And the RS-232 pack won't be there, but it'll be a uh, a chip that thinks or that makes it look like an RS-232 pack, but on the other end of it will be a Wi-Fi connection. Right, and that's pretty cool. I, I, I want to kind of wrap this up in the next couple of minutes. and I, I'm sorry, you're starting a whole new topic. Maybe we can bring that over to next week as well. Um, I, I got I to gotta kiss the kids goodnight here in a minute. So this has been a lot of fun. I don't want to discourage this, and I hope we can bring this up again next week. But, yeah, we're, we're going on two and a half hours. I never would have expected that. So uh, I'm sorry to cut in the middle there. But um, lo love to bring that topic back up next week and all kinds of other things. This has been great. We've had a lot of people. Even, like, right now, we've got, let's see, one, two, three, four, five six seven people in the call at the moment we've had at least two or three people drop off at this point now um so this was this was a good call we had you know like up to 10 people at once so we didn't break the internet so that's good um <laughs> and thanks for being here barry it's good great to have you great to have barry on the call and have jim brain on the call who we haven't had on before so some new blood to our little coco talks here would certainly not new blood to the community but new blood to our little uh, internet thing here um, and uh, I you think also, this is great. You, she hasn't said anything, but you also got Leanne. Say hello. Hi. 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 That's, hi. That, that's that's the programmer for the Coco Flash menu. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again at Coco Fest. I there were so many new faces, it was hard to say hi to everybody. But hopefully, you know, a, a year has come by. We're not going to be quite as much as strangers this year, so we'll get the chance to chat some more uh, in 20 days. <laughs> when I'm unfortunately, there I will, I, unfortunately, I don't think I'll be making the trip this year. I live down oh. in Florida. It's quite a trip for me, but I'm in Florida I don't know, too. Maybe next year or the year after. Where, where are uh, you in Florida? All the way down South on the Southern tip. And How between that and my work schedule, I, I just don't think it's going to work out. I'm going to be able to make it up there this year. Okay. You know, it's quite a, quite a trip, but, uh, maybe next year or the year after i plan on eventually going up there again but it's not something i can do every year that's understandable i had the same issue <clears throat> yeah well i appreciate the the pro the project and the progress you're making on that flash cartridge demo i, I liked watching that video that was very cool um i look forward to, to things like that you know like there are i think there's pros and cons and to these different technologies like the coco sdc has got a lot of benefits to it but there are some unelegant uh aspects of it as well which some of those have been addressed i think having the flash is great and having your menu I, i'm all about user friendly if you can dumb it down to where I can use it, it's it's a good product. <laughs> so I like I like some of these projects that are allowing us to have simple ways to load things up, menu-driven ways, and um, you know bringing bringing accessibility to the non-technophiles is always a great thing. Yeah, unfortunately, the flashcard is probably going to require a certain amount of technical expertise. We are yeah. in the process of writing a manual for the, the process of flashing a new item into the cart and updating the menu and everything. We have maybe about 50 to 70% or so written. Um, <clears throat> it's, gonna be a, it's going to be a process because you're flashing a ROM and you're updating a, a ROM menu. So, ah, you know, I one see. of the things... I see. 
So the final so the final the product is is user friendly, but getting there takes a little bit of uh, blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, you have to have the program that you're writing into the cartridge, one of the, the requirements, since it's written on the color computer. In order for it to recognize and load the binary and flash it into the cart, it needs to be a cocoa binary, which means it has to have the header and the footer to, you know, it can't be a raw ROM image. So it needs to have a header, it needs to load at address 4000 hex, and then it can be up to 16K long, okay? And it needs to be a .bin file. So I'm, I'm going to write some utilities to convert ROMs into .bin files and whatnot and make that probably mm. a little bit easier. <clears throat> There's a, a little basic program that if you put your ROM there as a, as a raw you know, data file and you have it as a data file, I've got a basic program that will, re will read uh, the bytes one byte at a time, poke them into memory, and then save it out as a bin file. So it's a little utility that does that. Yeah, cool. But you know, but then again, you have to also understand about, you know, banks and different ROM types, etc. And I'm, I am writing a manual to help with all of that, too. But it's, it's, not, it's not like the Coco SDC, which it emulates a floppy drive. And if you know how to use a floppy drive, you can use the right. Coco SDC. Gotcha. You know? gotcha. But, but this, this fills a different niche. It's, you know, for stuff that you can't easily run, some of the game cartridges, you can't run easily from a floppy drive. You have to have them in a cartridge. So this allows you to run some of those things. Also allows you to develop new stuff and test it in a cartridge format without right. having, you know. So right, 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 right. A product for all needs is what it's seeming like. Very, very cool. Well, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I think I want to thank everybody for being here. Everybody who's here now, plus everybody who was with us on the call, and and everybody who's been in the chat. So we've had a pretty good chat. We've had up to like a dozen and a half people. Um, watching us live in the chat as well. So we're not the only crazy people who want to talk about this. There's even crazier people who will sit here and listen to us talk about it. So thank <laughs> <laughs> thanks to those jackasses too. So <laughs> great, oh. great, great, great way to win an audience, right? That's a <laughs> So yeah, this is cool. Marketing um, is not your strong point. <laughs> I don't have a strong point. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, guys. Thanks for another great Coco Talk. Uh, so we'll just say goodbye to people who are still here right now. Mark Overholzer, John Strong, David Ladd, Curtis Boyle, Barry Nelson, Kip Kuhn was here. Jim Brain just left us a little while ago. Uh, uh, Rick Adams was here. Hugo DeFort was here. Uh, who else was here? I don't even remember. We've had so many people on this call. I've lost track. My head's spinning. Um, but yeah, good talk. Good talk. Spread the word. Maybe when next week we'll get even more people on the call. We, my goal is to break the internet. Not only do I want to... <laughs> or at not, least Skype. Yeah, not only do I want to insult my audience, but I want to break the internet and, at the same time. Ed Snyder has been here. Dan Shepard is here. Let's, let's take a minute here to say hi to everybody in the chat as well. Ed Snyder was here. Ed, you need to join us on, um, on Skype too. So Ray Lord, Roblox Gaming has been here. Retro Innovations, who's Jim Brain. Jason Rothbergs was here. Um, Feist Gap was here. James Ross was here. Uh, Jason Rothbergs, I said that. Hugo, Hugo, right? Uh, Feist Gap. Uh, Big West Purdue was here. Uh, yeah, so a lot of people chatting here. Uh, thanks. You say Richard Bear. Did I say Richard Bear? I don't even know. Is Richard here now? No. <laughs> I don't know. Did I miss something? He was, wasn't he here earlier? 
Well, the guy in the beard that y'all were saying. He... Oh, Rick Adams. Oh, that was Rick, Rick Adams. Adams. Oh, that Rick, was Rick, Rick Adams. Adams. Rick Adams. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Richard Bear, a.k.a. Rick Adams, is here, too. Grizzly Adams, Rick Adams, Richard Bear. Um, everybody was here. So, yeah, it was cool. This was cool. There's a lot of things going on. Um, something else that's going on behind the scenes that uh, only us in the Skype group will know. But, you know, I started this Skype group as a way for us to make it easy to join this weekly call. And there's an ongoing text conversation going on in this in this Skype group, so it's become a, it's kind of taken on a life of its own as well. So uh, all kinds of things are happening here. It's it's there's never been a more exciting time to be a, a fan of the color computer, and uh, I'm along for the ride, and I and I can't wait to see where you guys take us. So until next week, I will say goodbye for this Coco Talk. Anything you guys want to sign off with? Peace, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> see you all next week. In transmission, Starfleet out. <laughs> In transmission. The end of line. Goodbye. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Coco Talk. We certainly hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, why not check us out on the web at cocotalk.live, where you can watch video replays of all of our live episodes, as well as send us feedback and suggestions for the show. We'd certainly love to hear from you. Until next week, I'm the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. Keep on cocoing. Coco forever. Have a cocoa day, and bye-bye, everybody. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stro. You know, gameplay goodness. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. All right, people. Gameplay goodness. Thank you so much. You know, gameplay There's my goodness. shark down there. There's yeah. Maggie. You know, gameplay goodness. Just do it. Gameplay goodness. Just do it. Gameplay goodness. Gameplay goodness. Yeah. Just do it. Gameplay goodness. You know, gameplay goodness. Yeah.